Clerk, would you please call the roll? Yes, Mr. President. Supervisor Chan. Supervisor Chan. Present. Chan present. Supervisor Dorsey? Dorsey present. Supervisor Engardio? Engardio present. Supervisor Mandelman? Mandelman present. Supervisor Melgar? Melgar present. Supervisor Peskin? Present. Peskin present. Supervisor Preston? Preston present. Supervisor Ronan? Ronan present. Supervisor Safayi? Safayi not present. Supervisor Stephanie? Stephanie present and Supervisor Walton. Walton present. Mr. President, you have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors acknowledges we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Madam Clerk, do we have any communications? Yes, Mr. President. The board welcomes the public, the department staff, presenters, and appellants to attend this meeting in person here in the legislative chamber in City Hall, second floor, room 250. This meeting is airing live on SFGOV-TV's channel 26, or you may view the live stream at www. Uh, sfgovtv.org. As is the case with many similar bodies in California, the remote public comment of the Board of Supervisors and its committees has been discontinued, except as is legally required to enable anyone with a disability to be able to participate in the Board's meetings. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. You may email them to bos at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the Board of Supervisors and included as a part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to the Clerk's Office, uh, to, to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, City Hall, the number one Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. If you are a member of the public or a member of the city staff who needs to request a reasonable accommodation under ADA, you may contact the Office of the Clerk of the Board at 415-554-5184 or 415-554-5227 uh, for TTY or email Wilson Eng, Deputy Director of Operations at uh, wilson.l.ng at sfgov.org. And uh, pursuant to the language access ordinance through our partnership with the Office of Civic Engagement and Immigrant Affairs uh, and various language vendors, interpretation and language access support is available uh, going forward with a 48-hour business day notice to the clerk's office. Again, 
In accordance with Administrative Code Section 91.7, our office, of course, will make every effort to accommodate all language requests as logistically feasible as uh, the LEP vendors are not always available at the last minute. And you would also contact the clerk's office at 415-554-5184. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, members. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Can you please go to our 2 p.m. special order? Yes, the special order at 2 p.m. is the appearance at today's meeting by the Honorable Mayor, London N. Breed, present to engage in a formal policy discussion with eligible members of the board. And prior to the discussion, the mayor will address the board for up to five minutes. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Madam Mayor, good afternoon. Do you have any opening remarks? Yes, thank you, President Paskin, and good afternoon, supervisors. In less than a month, we'll be hosting the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation in San Francisco. So many of our city staff, they've been putting in tremendous amounts of timing to make plans for APEC, and I want to recognize all of them for their hard work. We've also received a tremendous amount of support from our business community. We set a goal of raising $20 million, and we achieved that goal. We put out a, a call to get volunteers to help. We've received over 1,200 uh, volunteers who are interested in helping us. People are excited for APEC because it means the city we all know and love is going to be on the world stage. Now, of course, putting on major internet and major international economic conference means that there will be impact to, to certain parts of our city. Last week, the Secret Service, along with our police department, discussed the areas that will be directly impacted by APEC and how we should be planning to manage this. There will be enhanced security in parts of our downtown, especially around Moscone Center. Our Office of Economic and Workforce Development is leading small business and resident outreach in these efforts. They've already started holding organizational community meetings, and starting today, they're going door to door. Uh, in fact, especially with many of the seniors who live in the area to ensure that they have access to paratransit vehicles and other resources they need to continue to go about their daily lives with minimal disruption. The Department of Emergency Management will be running a joint information center to get information to our residents and the media on a continual basis. The important thing for people to remember is that they can check the website sf.gov APEC to find out up-to-date information. But let's not lose sight of the fact that this is a major, major opportunity for our city. It's one we should embrace and celebrate. Yes, we've got work to do, but I'm not going to shy away from stepping up to show off this incredible city, and I want to just really thank and acknowledge Supervisor Ungardio for the work he's doing around a bike, uh, APEC bike ride down in the sunset. That should be really fun to get them down to the beach. So please share the information about APEC with your constituents. Make sure they know they can go to the website to find out more information, and let's do our part to ensure that APEC is um, really a great uh, event for San Francisco. Uh, last, I just want to say this is also an opportunity to generate close to $53 million for our local economy, our hotel tax revenue, and other resources uh, that pours into our city budget, where we are consistently providing resources and support to uh, our city as a whole. So all of this goes hand in hand. And if any of you have any other questions or concerns, our office is available to answer your questions, to meet with your community groups, and to do all we can to make uh, APEC a huge success. So thank you so much. 
Thank you, Mayor Breen. Let me share in acknowledging so many people in this government who are working to make that a successful event. Madam Clerk, could you please read the first of the three questions that are before us this afternoon? Yes, the first topic submitted by the member representing District 5, Supervisor Dean Preston, is housing element. Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk, and uh, good afternoon, Madam Mayor. Uh, my question concerns uh, affordable housing and uh, reaching our new affordable housing goals under the housing element. And specifically, I want to ask you about an affordable housing opportunity site in my district that has been stalled for nearly two decades. Parcel K, a paved lot at the corner of Hayes and Octavia, where the Central Freeway once stood, was transferred from the state to the city in 2003 with the express purpose of developing 100% affordable housing there. It has the capacity to create nearly 100 homes for low-income San Franciscans in a neighborhood where working people struggle to find affordable housing. In March of this year, following extensive advocacy by our office, your Office of Housing and Community Develop Development published a timeline for development with a public commitment to start the development process by issuing an RFQ by August of this year. Despite this promise, no RFQ was issued in August, and when we followed up with your Office of Housing, we were informed that there is no longer a timeline for issuing the RFQ or commencing development on this site, which is rather stunning given the previous promise. So my question, Madam Mayor, given our requirement under the housing element to produce 46,000 affordable housing units in the next eight years, and given that this is a city-owned site that has been designated for affordable housing development for more than 20 years, will you commit today to issuing the RFQ for affordable housing on Parcel K, the so-called proxy site, by the end of this calendar year? Madam Mayor. Thank you for your question, uh, Supervisor Preston. I don't have all the clear facts on this particular case. And as I say every time during question time, when you ask a question, my office is open and available to talk about these particular things, but I'm not going to answer a question on the spot until I have information clearly from my departments and have a better understanding of exactly what happened with this project. I'm happy to do follow through and to get the answer back to you at a later time, but unfortunately, I just don't have the information necessary to make any commitments. Thank you, Mayor Breed. Supervisor Preston, you may now ask a follow-up question directly related to your initial question. Thank you, President Peskin, and thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, we have been engaged regularly for uh, over three years now with your Office of Housing and have elevated this repeatedly. Um, and I want to just give a little more uh, background and, and ask a follow-up question. For more than two decades, this site has been designated for affordable housing, as I mentioned. So. Earlier this year, your Office of Housing promised the RFQ by August, and now MoCD has withdrawn any timeline. The original plan back when the interim use was launched for proxy on this site, um, which currently operates the space, was for that interim use to last for two or three years. As when you were District 5 supervisor, you pushed for a seven and a half year lease extension for that interim use for proxy in 2013, effectively blocking this from becoming affordable housing for years. 
When I took office, your administration proposed another long-term extension for that interim use, to which I objected on grounds that this was and is a site for desperately needed affordable housing. Now, since I took office, I have convened many productive conversations with neighbors, with OEWD, with MoCD, uh, and at a previous question time, I asked you about this in May of 2022, and I asked you about the timeline for creating affordable housing on this site at that time, and you said you weren't familiar with the site. That's over a year ago. It's about a year and a half ago. So all these efforts culminated in your Office of Housing finally publishing in March the timeline for development with a commitment to issuing an RFQ by August of this year. And there's been no revised timeline. This commitment was made not just to our office, which has elevated this monthly for going on three years now, uh, but also in public presentations by your Office of Housing to the community, and still no RF RFQ has been issued. Um, so I understand your, your, your invitation to provide still more information about this, but I just, we're in an urgent situation of needing affordable housing. This is a city-owned affordable housing site that you are very familiar with from your time as supervisor and as mayor, and I'm asking for a commitment that the RFQ is forthcoming and what the timeline is for that. Um, for, thank you, Supervisor. First of all, let me just say that you are saying to me that my office has promised something that I've not gotten communication from this office that they've promised anything. So I do think it's appropriate that I have a conversation with the Office of Housing to understand what the facts are, not what you are saying, because you can't speak for them. You can only speak for yourself and your own experience as it relates to your office. Um, on the one hand, you said, I said I wasn't familiar with the project. On the other hand, you said I'm very familiar. I am very familiar. I used to be the supervisor to represent the district, and I understand you know, the decisions that I made based on the surrounding community and what they wanted to see. There was, in fact, housing, including affordable housing, that has been built in this community um, already, and there will continue to be um, additional housing units, I believe, from my understanding, based on the commitments we made uh, from this project to make it so. Uh, I want to get the facts of where things are and get a better understanding before I answer a question or, or provide a commitment. But separately from this particular project, there are a number of policy directives that I, as mayor, have pushed through the Board of Supervisors. You serve on Land Use Committee, and the conversation is always, well, why isn't the mayor here? Why isn't the mayor's staff here? When, in fact, it should be about the policy and what we're trying to push in order to meet the goals of the housing element. We need aggressive changes. It's not just about this one project. It's about many projects, including many affordable housing projects that are all over the city and county of San Francisco. And my hope is that we don't use these projects as an opportunity to imply something that isn't necessarily the case. This is just an excuse for why we are not being more aggressive in passing changes to our housing policies that are truly going to help us reach a goal that we have committed to that every member of the Board of Supervisors voted to support. So let's not speak out of both sides of our mouth. Let's make sure that in addition to this project, as well as any other project and any other policy change necessary to move us forward with the housing element is also equally a part of the discussions. Thank you, Mayor Breed. You may now, should you desire, ask a question of Supervisor Preston or for that matter any other supervisor pertaining to the same topic. And if not, we will conclude the District 5 topic discussion. 
I do not have a question at this time. Thank All you. All right, Madam Clerk, can you please call the next topic? Yes, the next topic submitted by the member representing District 7, Supervisor Mirna Melgar, is the behavioral health and homeless services for West Side neighborhoods. Supervisor Melgar, please ask your opening question. Thank you, President Peskin. Uh, good afternoon, Madam Mayor. Um, I would like to discuss behavioral health and homelessness in the west side of town. The bulk of services are concentrated downtown and on the east side of the city, but we have seen a significant increase in people experiencing drug addiction and homelessness on the west side, particularly on West Portal Avenue and other commercial corridors. We have almost no nonprofits that connect people to help and no regular outreach by the various city teams that address these issues. Some of the same people have been on the streets in the same spot since I took office in 2021 and know by name. Would you please help us by dedicating staff to be assisting the homeless, uh, the assisting homeless people get off the streets and people with behavioral health needs on the west side of town and coordinating with other departments for badly needed support services? Madam Mayor. Um, can I ask for a clarification on the question? Sure. Um, when you say significant increase, can you give me a ballpark of where you were and where you are now? So on West Portal Avenue, which has seen the steepest increase, uh, we had, you know, two, three folks before the pandemic who were known folks who we knew, we knew their stories. Now we're seeing anywhere between 15 and 20 folks who are regularly sleeping on the streets um, in, uh, you know, in the throes of addiction, uh, which are very visible. Thank you, Supervisor. Um, so I am um, in touch with uh, we had this discussion about some of the challenges that you faced and one of the most recent incidents that occurred in West Portal where a shop owner was attacked uh, and the concern in terms of an elevation of the amount of uh, violence that is occurring as a result of people who unfortunately suffer from behavioral health and substance use disorder. Um, just from a health perspective, the city treats about 16,500 people for mental health disorder and over 4,500 individuals for substance use disorder. We, we know that many of those services are concentrated in the center part of the city where we have, you know, sadly hundreds and thousands of people who suffer from these particular issues. Um, I do want to work with you because I think uh, working together, it's doable to try and combat some of these problems. I will tell you um, one of the biggest challenges that you know the teams that we've sent out to the area uh, to deal uh, with some of these issues is you know that we can't force people to move. Um, but we can try to continue to make sure we're doing a better job around outreach to the uh, constituency to try and at least try and get them into services or treatment. Um, it's complex, but I am um, really grateful for the new tool that we'll have that we'll be able to use in January uh, to really push for conservatorship uh, for behavioral health challenges, which also now includes substance use disorder. And our, our goal is, is to try and be a little bit more aggressive in, in pushing people into treatment, into services. Uh, right now, the tool is not in effect. It should be January 1st, and I've already issued an executive directive so that we could prepare 
um, for what may come when we are trying to address people who struggle from these two particular things. Um, so I look forward to working with you to try and uh, address these challenges in the area. Supervisor Melgar, do you have a follow-up question related to your first question? I do not. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you. And Madam Mayor, do you have a question for Supervisor Melgar or any other supervisor? If not, we will go to the next topic. Okay. Madam Clerk. Yes, the topic submitted by the member representing District 8 Supervisor Raphael Mandelman is the Senate Bill 43 implementation. Supervisor Mandelman. Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk. And we have started the conversation about SB 43, and I want to thank you, Madam Mayor, for your um, championing of SB 43. You supported it, this board supported it, um, and it, uh, it passed. Uh, Senator Susan Eggman um, has been a real champ champion um, around this, and as you explained, um, the SB 43 changes the eligibility criteria for conservatorship to, um, for the first time, include substance use disorder and also um, to add uh, inability to care for one's medical needs or one's personal safety as potential criteria um, that could be the basis for a conservatorship. Um, as you know, more than half the unhoused folks in San Francisco suffer from mental illness or substance use disorders. Uh, it's my hope, and I know yours as well, that SB 43's expansion of conservatorship eligibility criteria will allow the city to finally provide treatment and services to people who are deteriorating on our streets and require involuntary, involuntary care. Um, I have a specific question about implementation, but you've, you've referenced um, the directive you've already given. I wanted to see if you had anything else you wanted to say yeah. about uh, SB 43 implementation before I ask my follow-up. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, Supervisor Mandelman, I want to thank you for your hard work and advocacy, both on the local and state level, to help us deal with the challenges around uh, behavioral health here in San Francisco, especially those people who are dual diagnosed with behavioral health and um, substance use disorder. Uh, people see what's happening on our streets. They see city workforce and folks that are out there trying to get people the help and the support that they need. And oftentimes, you know, we have to walk away because in some cases, unless a crime is committed, we can't force anyone into treatment. And I think um, with what uh, Senator Scott Weiner tried to do and now Senator uh, Susan Eggman, who carried it over the finish line, this is really extraordinary. Between this and care courts, I truly believe um, that it's going to help us make a dent in some of the challenges that we're experiencing uh, around behavioral health in San Francisco. So this law goes into SB 43, goes into effect on January 1st. I've already issued an executive directive to our departments to prepare. Um, and they include three things, to immediately devise policies and procedures to implement the law so that we are all ready, we have those things in place and we can move forward once the law goes into effect, to remove any barriers and avoid delays in submitting referrals. Uh, we know there's sometimes a lot of confusion of different programs and where the beds are and where they aren't and who should be here and who should be there. We, we need to all be on the same page and this needs to be done a lot more efficiently than it has in the past. And then also to require data um, because it's important that we know where we are now and where we're 
going and whether or not this is as effective of a tool as we hope it will be. Uh, so we are preparing for it. It's a great tool that I think is going to be very helpful for us. Uh, and, and my hope is we'll be able to implement it and get people who are struggling on our streets to help and the support that they need. So uh, this is just one of some really great options that happened, um, you know, just the housing bills and the behavioral health support, I, I feel as though the tide is changing around what we have been living in and dealing with in San Francisco. And we finally, uh, instead of trying to explain why we can't do something, we're finally able to get to people and actually do something. And my hope is that they will start to see and feel the difference with the work that we're putting in to prepare for it and to execute it. So thank you again for your work and your advocacy. Supervisor um, Mandelman, your follow-up question that you already said you were going to ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, again, in no way doubt your commitment to solving this problem, and I know for you it is personal as it is for me, as I think for anyone who has someone with severe mental illness in their family, um, I, I think we uh, tend to have low tolerance for people who um, imagine they're protecting the autonomy of folks um, uh, to slowly die on our streets. That being said, um, I think that one of the biggest impediments to expanded application of our conservatorship laws has been the lack of appropriate placements in locked subacute facilities and board and care facilities. And the need for these types of facilities has been obvious and growing for years. Um, and yet our Department of Public Health has struggled to expand its supply of accessible beds for San Franciscans who may need these types of beds over an extended period of time. Indeed, DPH has struggled even to come up with a method of analyzing our need for such beds, much less proposing a plan to get there. Given that, do you have confidence that DPH can rise to the occasion and opportunity presented by SB 43? And if not, what needs to change at DPH to allow the department to do what we all agree needs to be done? Well, we don't all agree, but many of us agree needs to be done in terms of expanding access to beds for the population SB 43 should allow us finally to reach. Well, thank you for that question, um, Supervisor Mandelman, and this is definitely a longer discussion, but I'll start from a bit of a high level. First of all, these beds on any different level, whether it's a locked um, bed or uh, a bed where people can move in and out at their leisure, are very, very, very expensive. Uh, and in fact, we added about 350 beds of our 400 bed goal uh, recently, and we need to continue to do more. About 12% of the people conserved uh, succeeded in some of our community-based settings. Uh, so there's a lot of different layers to these beds, and, and I'll tell you, the locked beds are very expensive. My hope is with what is happening on a statewide level, with some additional resources, I'd love to see the state take a, a little bit more responsibility in helping us um, with state facilities that could operate um, in a, different ways other than what we're expected to do here locally. Um, we don't necessarily have uh, the capacity that we truly need right now, but I think that what we're doing and the investments that we're making are leading to better results. But on any given night, our beds are not at full capacity. And, and that is a problem, but it's not a problem because we're not asking the questions to get people into treatment. It's a problem because now, you know, we have the tools where through 
um, you know, conservatorship laws now beginning January 1, we will be able to use the court system in order to compel somebody into treatment. Uh, and, and those beds may or may not be locked, but it's very complicated, very expensive. Uh, and my hope is that our system will become a lot more efficient so that it's, it's a lot easier once we go through the court system or once we're out on the streets trying to help people uh, indoors uh, that we're able to move people right away. And it's, it's, it's expensive and it's going to continue to go up with this law. If we're able to implement it right, we're going to definitely need more beds than we do have. And Mayor Breed, if you have a follow-up question for Supervisor Mandelman or any other member of the board, please proceed. If not, this concludes our mayoral discussions. And Madam Mayor, thank you for joining us today, and we thank will you. see you next month. And these matters have been discussed and are now filed. Thank after, you, Mayor Breed. After public comment, Mr. After President. public comment. Madam Clerk. Can you please call the approval of the board meeting minutes of September 19th, 2023? Or actually, I just called them. Is there a motion to approve said minutes made by Supervisor Safai, seconded by Supervisor Dorsey? On that motion, a roll call, please. On the approval of the minutes as presented, Supervisor Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Supervisor Engardio. Engardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. And Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. There are 11 ayes. Those minutes will be approved as presented after public comment. Madam Clerk, could you please call the consent agenda? Yes, items 2 through 11 are on consent and considered to be routine. If a member objects, an item may be removed and considered separately. Seeing no names on the roster, we will take that same house, same call. Those ordinances are finally passed. Next item, please. Item 12, this is a retroactive authorization for the, for the DPH, the Department of Public Health, to accept and expend a $100,000 grant from the Purchaser Business Group on Health to participate in the CalHive Behavioral Health Integration Improvement Collaboration Program uh, from July 1st, 2023 through January 31st, 2027. Same house, same call, the resolution is adopted. Madam Clerk, could you please read items 13 through 16 together? Items 13 through 16 are four resolutions that authorize the placement of commemorative street name or plaques designation. Uh, item 13 adds the commemorative street name of Elsie Tonelli Street to Mission Street between Santa Rosa Avenue and Excelsior Avenue in recognition of her contribution to San Francisco as a local figure. Item 14 authorizes the sidewalk placement at various locations for the Lodging House District along the 6th Street corridor between Market Street and Howard Street. Item 15 authorizes the placement of the Soma Pilipinas Filipino Cultural Heritage District plaques to be installed on the sidewalk at various historic locations, um, markers along the 6th Street corridor between Market Street and Howard Street, um, to provide for the creation of a program for and installation of 
commemorative plaques in the Soma Pilipinas Cultural District. And item 16, resolution to authorize the placement of the Compton's Transgender Cultural District of San Francisco's Cultural Heritage District plaques uh, in, in certain areas on the sidewalk uh, along the 6th Street corridor between Market Street and Howard Street. Supervisor Ronan. Yes, Madam Clerk, can I please be added as a co-sponsor to item 15 and 16? Thank you. Thank you. Supervisor Stephanie. Thank you, President Peskin. I'd like to be added as a co-sponsor to item 13 and recognize my good friend Paul Tonelli. This is his mother, and I think this is a very fitting thing to do during Italian-American Heritage Month. So I want to thank Supervisor Safai for putting this forward. Supervisor Safai. Thank you. Madam Clerk, please add me as a co-sponsor to item number 15 and 16 as well. Noted. Thank you. Seeing no other names on the roster, same house, same call. The resolutions are adopted. Next item, please. Item 17, resolution of intent to establish a street plaza at Eagle Plaza, 383 12th Street under Administrative Code Chapter 94 and urging the Public Works to initiate the process to solicit a plaza steward at this location. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item. Item 18, ordinance amending the administrative code to establish the library laureate programs and to authorize the library to grant stipends to individuals selected through a competitive process as laureates or finalists in recognition of their achievements, leadership, and cultural contributions and in exchange for their service to the city. Same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please. Item 19, ordinance amending the administrative code to authorize the assessment appeals board to host remote hearings and conferences at which no AAEB members are physically present and hybrid remote hearings and conferences at which some but not all H uh, AAB members are physically present. Same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading and why don't we go to our 230 special order commendations starting with Supervisor Stephanie. Thank you, President Peskin. And as I mentioned, it is Italian American Heritage Month, one of the many cultures we're celebrating this month. And I would like to call up Tony Delorio, my good friend, as we will be honoring him today. Um, when I first met Tony, it was, uh, I don't know how many years ago, but it was someone that I felt like I'd known all my life. We've grown up a lot alike, felt like um, a cousin of mine. Maybe it's because my great-grandfather was a teamster way back uh, after the earthquake, hauling grain back and forth from Merced County to San Francisco. My brother was a teamster. Um, but Tony has been an incredible friend and incredible member of our Italian-American community here in San Francisco, but he's m more than that. Um, I'm honored to offer a special commendation to a remarkable individual whose contributions to our community and the labor movement have left an indelible mark on the city and county of San Francisco and beyond. It is with great pride and gratitude that we get to celebrate Tony Delorio today. As the principal officer of Teamsters Local Union Number 665, Tony Delorio has been at the forefront of advocating for the rights and well-being of countless working men and women in San Francisco. The, the Teamsters Local uh, 665, under his astute leadership, stands as the largest affiliate of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters in San Francisco, a testament to his vision and tireless efforts. But Tony's leadership extends far behind Local 665. 
He serves as an officer on Teamsters Joint Council 7, representing the interest of over 100,000 Teamster members throughout Northern California and Northern Nevada. His role on the council involves spearheading crucial initiatives from union organizing to major labor contract negotiations, all while tirelessly championing legislative outreach on behalf of working men and women. In recognition of his unparalleled dedication, Tony was appointed as the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Director of Parking in the United States, a position that underscores his remarkable influence in the labor movement nationwide, not just here in San Francisco. He has also been at the forefront of the autonomous vehicle debate, which we had at TA earlier today. And I know he's very happy and will be celebrating later today if you haven't started already. But demanding public safety assurances and worker protections as we adapt to new technologies. In 2023, Tony Delorio's commitment to serving his community led him to a new platform. He joined a winning state of ADEM delegates in his election to represent San Francisco's 17th Assembly District, and his election is a testament to his strong and unyielding support within his district. Yet it's not just his professional accomplishments that divine Tony, he is equally known and respected as a community leader in San Francisco's iconic North Beach. He is also deeply involved in the San Francisco Italian American Club and the San Francisco Italian Athletic Club, institutions that celebrate our cultural heritage and further showcasing his commitment to Italian culture and heritage and remembering what we bring forward to the city and county of San Francisco. His dedication to the community extends to numerous councils and commissions, including the San Francisco Building and Construction Trades, <coughs> the San Francisco Labor Council, the San Mateo, Labor, San Mateo County Labor Council, and the South Bay Labor Council. See, I told you I was going to have to say all this stuff about you, Tony. <laughs> Tony's role is chairman of the Bay Area Automotive Group Welfare Fund, providing health benefit coverage to 3,000 union members and their families, highlights his unwavering commitment to the well-being of his fellow laborers. Tony's civic and social engagement really knows no bounds. He serves as a board member for the SF City Drive and Workforce Investment San Francisco. He's a San Francisco film commissioner and a basketball commissioner on the athletic board of St. Robert's School. Tony earned his associate's degree from Skyline College and his bachelor's degree in public relations from California State University Hayward. Notably, Tony's San Francisco roots run deep as he uh, proudly grew up in the Excelsior District and is now raising his own family there. I know we have Gianni and Nico here, Tony's sons, ages 10 and 5. So good to see you boys. And today we just want to express our appreciation for Don Tony Delorio's profound impact on San Francisco. You are a man of principle, a champion of workers, a community leader, an incredible member of the Italian-American community in San Francisco in the entire Bay Area, and most importantly to me, you are my loyal friend, and I just can't thank you enough for everything you bring to the table. You are an incredible human being, and I'm so lucky to know you, and I'm really happy we get to honor you today. The floor thank is yours. Actually, thank there's you. more. There's more thank you, more. Supervisor Stephanie. Before I, before I call on Supervisors Safai and Walton, I do want to disclose to you that I am actually Tony's favorite member of the Board of Supervisors. <laughs> Uh, Supervisor Safai. <laughs> Thank you, President Peskin. Um, just want to add a few words. Uh, some, someone that I have worked with uh, over the years, uh, have deep respect for. Um, I think Supervisor Stephanie really summed it up great, all the accomplishments. Just want to add a couple things, say, you know, I don't think there's anyone that has more pride in Italian culture than Tony Delorio. Anything and everything that has to do with Italian culture, I'll get a text, I'll get a call, <laughs> I'll get an image, I'll get a reminder. 
I'll be held accountable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I really appreciate that. And it just goes to show how much of a leader you are for your community. Um, obviously, the work we've done with working people over the years and all the things that Supervisor Stephanie mentioned, but I think you walk in the footsteps and follow in the tradition of some of the great Italian-American leaders of the city, A.P. Giannini and others, that really put people first. And I think that's what I've seen in everything that you do and what you embody in your commitment to not just San Francisco, but the greater Bay Area and working people. Um, so love of your culture, love of fighting for working people. Um, and as much as you profess to be you know, rooted in North Beach, I know your heart and we're born and raised in the Excelsior. And that's where I first got to see you in action, uh, working and interacting with all the people in the community and the work that you did. So, um, and then lastly, I'll just say in, um, that just to see you and how you incorporate your children and, and being a proud dad and getting them to events, getting them to games, getting them to see what you do on a daily basis and understand um, that they have uh, shoes to fill and a tradition to carry on. And I think that's a wonderful uh, role model that you are for your family. And it's great to see your, your kids here today. So thank you, Supervisor Stephanie, for honoring uh, Tony DeLorio and, and proudly um, recognizing Italian Heritage Month. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Supervisor Walton. Thank you, President Peskin. And unlike Commissioner DeLario, I'm going to be brief. Um, <laughs> I couldn't think of a better person, though, or a better labor leader to honor here at this body and just really want to congratulate you. This morning, we rallied against crews and the lack of safety of their vehicles. And voila, they get suspended. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a testament to your leadership. And you are a great leader, le labor leader and a good person. And so I want to thank Supervisor Stephanie for honoring you this afternoon. Thank you, Supervisor. And Mr. Delorio, uh, the fact that the California Department of Motor Vehicles suspended Cruz's permit has nothing to do with the fact that you're being honored today by the Board of Supervisors, <laughs> but congratulations. Thank you, President Peskin. Obviously, thank you, Catherine Stephanie, Asha Safai, Shimon Wallen, and the rest of the board. I've done work with all of you over, over the years. I like that the minutes aren't going. Shimon knows me well enough. Um, so. I'll try to keep this brief, but honestly, I am a little bit speechless by all these kind words. Um, Catherine had mentioned this, um, you know, before, but obviously our beautiful city is named after St. Francis of Assisi, right? We have uh, Domenico Ghirardelli, we have um, A.P. Giannini, we have Joe DiMaggio, right? We have Francis Ford Coppola, and then bringing into the spectrum of political leaders, right? Angelo Rossi, the first full Italian mayor here in San Francisco, right? Then we had uh, Joe Aliotto, George Moscone, Nancy Pelosi, and of course, Catherine Stephanie, right? That's here, our future assemblywoman. And then I just found out we've all had this talk about second favorite supervisor. And I think I've made it clear, I've made it clear of who handles it. Did not know until recently that Supervisor Ingardio is Italian. So. Number two may be up for grabs yet again. So uh, uh, thanks to all of you. Um, I just really quickly want to say that, um, and it is true, Anasha, thank you for those words. You know, uh, being a Teamster and being Italian-American, I, everybody, I don't, people that know me, I don't, I embrace it. I embrace the stereotypes. I'm all in. Um, I'm a third-generation Teamster, obviously, however many generations Italian. And at a young age, I've 
you know, had all of those qualities of what it meant to be. And I feel that they tie in together. Being a teamster, it's about family. Um, it's about, f being Italian is about food, right? As you can see, food is very important to us, right? <laughs> um, it's about hugging, kissing, embracing, as you see my hands move. If you held my hands, I would not be able to, 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 to speak. Um, but in all seriousness, a few years ago, we hit, the Italian-American community hit a, hit a little bit of a, a speed bump with the whole Christopher Columbus stuff. And, uh, you know, I've never been shied away from it. Um, it obviously has been under attack the last few years, but I think as a fellow Italian-American, it wasn't really about Columbus. It was more about that was our day to celebrate being Italian, right? So, and I appreciate it. I vividly remember four years ago, uh, Catherine Stephanie took the lead, Asha Safai, Shimon Walden, and Aaron Peskin, we all were on the phone about taking down that statue so that there was no more, you know, there was going to be some, some violence. Um, and I think that was the right move to do. Since then, we haven't put up a new statue, and, you know, we could do St. Fran you know, Francis, we could do APG and any, or we could take President Peskin's recommendation of putting a statue of me, Tony Delorio, already up there. But I think I'd have to pass away first, probably before we did that. But... Um, the work that, that Catherine did that was important, again, was it was never about the man Christopher Columbus. And I think people that were Italian-American that believe in that don't, didn't understand. It was like, that was just our day. It wasn't about the guy. And we felt a little under attack. And, you know, what we've done recently and the leadership is we've either, and indigenous people do, do deserve their day. And some have the combo. But the unbelievable um, challenge from the leadership of Catherine Stephanie was getting Italian-American Heritage Month. And for that, I salute you for that. Thank you. And Asha co-sponsored, Aaron co-sponsored, and Shaman. And I remember Shaman, I don't know if you'll remember this, but Shaman, I, I thanked every supervisor. And I said, hey, Shaman, thank you for you know, giving us our month. And your response to me was, every culture deserves their own month. And I'll never forgot that. So the work continues. Um, as you said, this couldn't have been a perfect day for me, besides the Niners losing last night. Um, woke up this morning, and we had this unbelievable rally. Got my colleague John Bouchard here from Local 350, principal officer. I couldn't do the work without him. Got some members of my team also here with my children. And you're right, uh, Asha, I do, I do bring my children to picket lines, you know, not just for stuff like this where it's all fun and games and getting awards. It's about letting them see that, you know, when Daddy goes to work or they see daddy on TV or in the newspaper, it, we put in the work. We put in the work and we help people. And that's what we do in the Italian culture and that's what we do as Teamsters. So thank you all very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. Okay. Our next special order of commendation will be presented by District 7 Supervisor Myrna Melgar. Thank you, at President Peskin. Congratulations, Tony. Um, today, colleagues, I am honoring Vernon Eng. On September 27th, uh, the owner, the manager, 
and an 85-year-old customer of uh, Shaw's Ice Cream and Candy on West Portal Avenue were brutally physically attacked. The attack sent the three of them to the hospital, and it would have been much worse were it not for Vernon Ng. In an era where hesitancy and fear often dictates one's actions, where individuals might prioritize personal safety over intervening for the welfare of others, Mr. Ng, if you could come up, <laughs> your, um, your bravery and your fortitude shine as beacons of hope and inspiration. There are those uh, who speak of valor and there are those like you who embody it. The incident on September 27th at Shaw's Candy was not just a testament to your physical strength and training, uh, but more importantly, a demonstration of your unwavering spirit and the commitment to the safety and well-being of your community. Despite being faced uh, with overwhelming odds and being outweighed by what I'm guessing is about 100 pounds, um, you rose to the occasion displaying an exemplary level of gallantry and selflessness. To subdue an attacker threatening three innocent individuals not only requires skill, but a heart that values justice and humanity over personal risk. Such acts of heroism reverberate beyond the immediate moment. Um, they leave an indelible mark on the collective consciousness of our community, reminding each of us of the potential for goodness that resides within all of us, waiting for the moment to shine. So your actions, Mr. Ng, um, have given those words a new depth and meaning. And as a representative uh, of this uh, District 7 community, this proud community, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors wishes to extend their profound appreciation and also admiration for your selfless act. It is not just a commendation, it's a declaration of gratitude from a city deeply moved by your heroism. Vernon Eng, colleagues, was born and raised in San Francisco. He attended Presidio Middle School and is a proud graduate of Lowell High School. Go Cardinals. Cardinals. <laughs> he is joined today by his wife, uh, Crystal, and nine-year-old Avery Mason. Uh, and then four-year-old Jackson couldn't be with us today because he's in preschool. preschool. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for those of you wondering, Vernon does train at the Colado uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy on 16th Street in Terraval. Awesome. So <laughs> Vernon, on behalf of San Francisco and the residents of District 7, I thank you for your bravery. Thank you, Supervisor. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was giving a couple of minutes. So, yeah, born and raised here in the city, my wife and I. Uh, now we're, we're raising our two sons in this city, and I tell you, it's hard. It's hard raising children in the city. I learned yesterday the attacker, before this incident happened at Shaw's, was arrested for indecent exposure in front of children. He ends up back out on the street, attacks three victims. So Diana is the owner of Shaw's. She suffers a concussion. Her life will never be the same. Yet Nina, the manager, takes punches to the head. The third victim that Supervisor Melgram mentioned was, she's 85 years old, Gracie. She's 85 years old. Concussion, last week she fainted at the local school fair because of the injury. That's not right. It, the, whole, the whole incident never should have happened. 
if you just lock them up, put them away, put these people away. Yeah, I mean, great, I was there, great. You know, I was able to use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to subdue the, uh, an attacker twice my weight class, twice my height. So thank you to my professor, instructor, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, black belt, third degree from Brazil, Matias Cajado, my, team, my teammates, my coach, Carlo Valero, and my teammates from the Calhado Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy in the Sunset District. Also, Richie Jong from Asians Are Strong, making awareness. And these are, the, these are the combat gyms, these are the organizations that are creating warriors right now. And no one's coming to help us. You know, I'd like to thank the San Francisco Police Department. I mean, these are men and women that are out there on the street dealing with this evil every single day, every single day. Yet, they've been defunded, their, their rules of engagement are crippled, and their resources have been depleted. So to my, my San Francisco natives, my, my, my fellow neighbors, my, uh, my San Francisco citizens, no one's going to come help us. Our elders are being attacked. Our adults are getting hurt. Children are being threatened. This happens every single day. You simplify it, it's bullies. That's what's happening, right? We have to take back our own streets. We have to be dangerous. We have to learn how to fight, control that energy, learn how to be relentless, be a monster, and control that energy on the training mats if we're going to take back our streets. Conceal, carry, do it. Thank you for the award. Um, thank you for the commendation. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Next, we will go to District 8 Supervisor Rafael Mandelman. All right. Thank you, Mr. President. Castro Street Fair folks, come on up. We are at the beginning of the Castro Street Fair's 50th anniversary year. Um, Colleagues, today I am offering a special commendation for the Castro Street Fair Board of Directors. You may know that Harvey Milk organized the first Castro Street Fair back in 1974. Since then, the fair has grown from 5,000 attendees at that first event into one of San Francisco's largest LGBTQ plus events other than Pride. Some things have remained constant, cruising, food, fun, music, and drag. Um, the Castro Street Fair draws together Castro residents, merchants, and visitors from the rest of the city and across the world. Whether you want to dance in the streets, hang out with friends and neighbors, browse for art, or connect with community organizations, the Castro Street Fair has something for everyone. And the fair has a rich history of giving back. Since the late 1990s, the fair has raised more than $1.6 million for Castro-based nonprofits, schools, queer sports teams, spiritual communities, and more. The gathering has long stood for the values of diversity, inclusion, and unity, bringing together people from all backgrounds, orientations, and walks of life. And none of this would be possible without the 200 day of volunteers, but especially the fair's board of directors, led by Chair Jen Meyer, Vice Chair Fred Lopez, George Ridgely, Reg Roberts, Jay Heron, Jay Borden, and Hugo Beta. In addition, um, 
each year a small army of organizations and individuals help out with the fair. This year that these included uh, BD Plus 20 Event Production, Shannon Amaton of T4T Worldwide, Robin Simmons and Elaine Denham, Laura Gonzalez of Artyhood, Cheer SF, Sundance Saloon, the Castro Merchants, and the Castro CBD. Next year, as I said, or we have already begun the 50th anniversary year, so mark your calendars for October 6th, 2024, and stay tuned for the um, exciting, amazing second 50 years. Um, I know next year, or this year's event, the 2024 event um, is in great hands with the Castro Street Fair organization, and I thought that given all you do, and getting nothing for it, you deserved a little recognition here in our chambers. So um, I think it's not Jen who, I think it's Fred Lopez. Fred Lopez, the vice chair, is gonna share a few words. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Supervisor Mandelman and the entire Board of Supervisors. We are so thrilled to be here. My name is Fred Lopez. I'm the Vice President of the Board of Directors of the Castro Street Fair. Um, I'm privileged to have been on the board for um, uh, over 15 years now, I think. Um, and as Supervisor Mandelman mentioned, it's uh, the longest continuously running street fair in the LGBTQ plus community here in San Francisco. Um, so many people are uh, involved, as Supervisor Mandelman said, too many to name right now. But mostly we want to thank our volunteers. Um, so many of our former board members and also, of course, the current board, some of whom are here this afternoon, um, some of whom couldn't make it today. Um, the Castro Street Fair is absolutely a labor of love. It takes countless hours to prepare for every year, and all of that work is absolutely worth it. When the streets are full of happiness and smiles, the shops in the Castro are full of people and shoppers, uh, and uh, so many f necessary funds are raised by local nonprofits, or I'm sorry, raised for local nonprofits, um, especially local schools and uh, sports crews, sports teams in the Castro. Um, as Supervisor Mandelman said, we've, uh, we're proud to say that we've raised over $1.6 million um, since we've started our fundraising program at the Castro Street Fair. And obviously we appreciate the cooperation of the many, many people who, from the city who helped make the fair happen, like city agencies, uh, Grants for the Arts, OEWD, uh, the CBD, and more. Um, and obviously the supervisor's office in District 8. Um, finally, uh, you know, we do this, we spend all this time, we work, we work all of these many hours, not only to celebrate the neighborhood, to celebrate the amazing, diverse neighborhood that is the Castro, but also to honor the legacy of Harvey Milk, the fair's founder, and we are so, so excited to head into, to already be in the 50th anniversary year of the Castro Street Fair. We're so looking forward to next year, and we really hope to see all of you celebrating with all of us in the streets of the Castro in October of 2024. So thank you once again for this amazing commendation. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Fred, from Castro Street Fair. Madam Clerk, could you please go to item number 20? Item 20, this is an ordinance to amend the administrative code to remove the authorization for cash revolving funds for certain city departments uh, and to reduce the maximum amount of the cash revolving fund for the Port of San Francisco. Roll call. On item 20, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan I, Supervisor Safai. 
Safayi, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Supervisor Angardio. Angardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Mandelman, absent. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, absent. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. And Supervisor Preston. Preston, aye. There are nine ayes. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please. Item 21, this is an ordinance to amend the administrative code to establish the Graffiti Advisory Board to advise the Board of Supervisors and the Mayor on issues relating to graffiti prevention and abatement and to set forth the membership and duties of the Advisory Board. Roll call. On item 21, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. Supervisor Safai. Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Supervisor Angardio. Angardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. And Supervisor Preston. Press, <coughs> Preston, aye. There are 11 ayes. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please. Item 22, motion to appoint Jane Redmond, term ending March 1st, 2025, and Etta Mai Johnson and Mara Math, terms ending March 1st, 2026, to the in-home supportive services public authority. Same house, same call. The motion is approved. Next item, please. Item 23, this is a motion to approve the mayor's nomination of Amy Campbell for appointment to the Historic Preservation Commission, term ending December 31st, 2026. Same house, same call. The motion is approved. Mm, committee reports, please. Yes, items 24 and 25 were considered by the Land Use and Transportation Committee at a regular meeting on uh, Monday, October 23rd. Item 24 was forwarded as a committee report. Item 25 was not forwarded as a committee report. Item 24 was referred without recommendation. This is an ordinance to amend the planning code to change the zoning controls in the Castro Street Neighborhood Commercial District to exclude Article 10 landmark buildings from the use size limitation and to allow nighttime entertainment with a conditional use authorization on the second floor to affirm the planning department's CEQA determination and to make the appropriate findings. Roll call. On item 24, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, I. Supervisor Safai. Safai, I. Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, I. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, I. Supervisor Chan. Chan, I. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, I. Supervisor Angardio. Angardio, I. Supervisor Mandelman. Mandelman, I. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, I. Supervisor Peskin. No. Peskin, no. And Supervisor Preston. Preston, aye. There are 10 ayes and one no, with Supervisor Peskin voting no. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Madam Clerk, let's go to roll call for introductions. First member up to introduce new business, Supervisor Ronan. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Safayi. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Stephanie. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Walton. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Chan. Submit, thank you, Supervisor Dorsey. Submit, thank you, Supervisor Angardio. Submit, thank you, 
Supervisor Mandelman. Sorry, but I but I but I, but I will be brief. Uh, earlier today, I you know I asked uh, the mayor about implementation of SB 43, and I do believe that the challenge we're going to experience with implementation of SB 43 is we just don't have the right placements for folks um, with severe mental illness on the street. There's been a lot of conversation in other contexts in this meeting even about um, about the behavioral health needs of the city, and it is plain that there are people who need locked facilities or need a board and care and those uh, facilities are getting scarcer and scarcer and the need is growing so for the last three or four years uh, all of us but I think uh, especially uh, uh, chair Ronan of uh, Behavioral Homelessness and Behavioral Health Committee, and I have been uh, tracking along with um, DPH um, their uh, proposal to implement Anton Nagusa Bland's bed study from 2020. And as I have pointed out a number of times, I think Anton Nagusa Bland intended for the 2020 bed study to be a point in time uh, uh, analysis of flow, not the end-all be-all direction to the city in uh, moving forward with the creation of beds for people with severe mental illness. Nonetheless, that has been the target at which DPH has been directing its energies and um, uh, last year, thank you Chair Ronan for calling for a hearing to check in on how they were doing. This year they appear based on this, the, uh, the, the chart that they have posted on their website, appear to be closing in on that 400 bed number and the mayor cited the uh, progress that has been made in getting those beds up and running. But I would point out that the vast majority of those beds are not the, uh, the, the beds that would be appropriate for someone with severe mental illness. Um, and that I think is, is an ongoing challenge. So I think that chart raises a lot of questions. Um, I think we are still waiting on the uh, beds optimization study that has been long promised and uh, we have been told that they're within a month DPH will be ready to uh, give us the results of their update to Anton Nagusa Bland's now four-year-old uh, work. Um, I think there are new questions raised by uh, the reduction in uh, capacity at Laguna Honda, um, in uh, what we've learned about uh, the non-use of some of those beds in the, in the 400 because of inadequate staffing. Um, and I think we, if we're going to be successful with SB 43, we desperately need um, to figure out a plan to get, uh, to get more of the right kind of beds. Not to mention getting the folks who are stuck in our jails or in our hospitals inappropriately placed there or just on the streets uh, into care. So um, I want to thank uh, the uh, Chair Ronan for her co-sponsorship as, as well as uh, Supervisor Stephanie and um, I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with DPH at this hearing. The rest I submit. Thank you, Supervisor Mandelman. Supervisor Melgar. Submit. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Peskin. Uh, I will submit and I believe that Supervisor Engardio would like to be re-referred. Okay, thank you. Uh, after Supervisor Preston. Submit, thank you, Supervisor Engardio. Thank you, Madam Clerk and President Peskin. Uh, since we had so many submissions today, I thought I would spend one minute to talk about uh, the mayor earlier today referenced um, a bike ride uh, to the sunset during the APEC summit. So I just wanted to describe that um, because this is about the world's media is going to be looking at San Francisco that week. And I was thinking of ways that we can show joy and not doom loop. And so we are doing, uh, it's more than just a bike ride, calling it the Great Sunset Joy Ride and Happy Hour uh, out at the Great Highway. Um, 
Uh, Supervisor Melgar is a co-sponsor. We're going to be starting in her district uh, at JFK Drive. We're going to have a parade of bikes out to the Great Highway on Friday, November 17th. Then we'll, at 4 o'clock, that's at 3, at 4 o'clock, we'll have a happy hour with live music and food, and we'll all watch the sunset at 4.57 p.m. on November 17th, maybe do a little dancing out to the live music. Uh, so this is uh, my effort and, uh, with Supervisor Melgar to bring some joy and to show the world that San Francisco, show our best side. So I hope to invite all of you out there, and we'd love to see maybe some world leaders and some staff out on their bikes as well. Thank you. I submit the rest. Thank you, Supervisor Ingardio. Seeing no other names on the roster, that concludes the introduction of new business. Madam Clerk, let's go to public comment. All right, at this time, the board welcomes general public comment. You may speak to the approval of the September 19th board meeting minutes, the policy discussion that occurred here uh, when the mayor attended this meeting, and items 28 through uh, 37 on the for adoption without reference to committee calendar. All other agenda content has been reported out to the board by an appropriate committee. You may also speak to general matters that are not on today's agenda but must be within the board's subject matter jurisdiction. All right, let's hear from our first speaker. Welcome. I want to give you a short uh, view in, in the future. I said last week that I would, so I will. It's going to be. Okay. The future is that anyone, first, is that anyone understand that one owns oneself. This private, fundamental private individual, individual ownership means that, in fact, it represents a capital of energy that you own. You are taught by the new system of education how to use it in the best potential way because it teaches you what you are the most attracted by, therefore, the better at. It goes through all your life. And what happens is that you just exchange this energy, specific energy, with others. There is no more uh, banking system, by the way. You are your own bank. There is no perceived government as it exists today. There's going to be a transition that's going to be tough, but it's going to work. That's the future. I'm talking for San Francisco here since I'm in, I've been asked to take care of San Francisco first, to show to make it a precedent for the rest of the world. It's coming. The good thing you see about unintelligence, which is going on, is that sooner or later, it just self-destroys. So we're going to see the self-destruction of unintelligence, bringing forward this new, this future. Can't avoid it. There's going to be some damage still on the way, but that's the challenge. Have a good day. Thank you, Terry Field. Welcome. I would like to read some comments from my Matthew Henry commentary. He got saved when he was 10, and he's the only guy who wrote a commentary on the entire Bible. This has to do with uh, our first martyr of the church, Stephen. And he writes when he was uh, full 40 years old, in the prime of his time for preferment in the court of Egypt, it came into his heart 
For God put it there to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and to see which way he might do them any service. And he showed himself as a public person with a public character as Israel's savior. This he gave a specimen of in avenging an oppressed Israelite and killing the Egyptian that abused him. Seeing one of his uh, brethren suffer wrong, he was moved with compassion towards the sufferer and a just indignation at the wrongdoer, as men in public stations should be. And he avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian, which if he had been only a private person, he could not lawfully have done. I think about Peskin saying it's gender-affirming surgery to cut the balls off of boys. <clears throat> you know, uh, Judgment Day is coming. It was uh, 85 sabbatical cycles between the two destructions of Jerusalem, uh, or 595 years inclusive of 70 AD, and both times that the temple was destroyed, but, uh, we, uh, it was in, on a Sabbath year. We're in a Sabbath year right now. And I really wonder about this year, uh, because this is a Sabbath year, and because it is 285 sabbatical cycles from when Christ was anointed. Remember, there were 85 sabbatical cycles between the two destructions. And it's fascinating that the Bible teaches that the reason why Nebuchadnezzar was able to destroy the temple in that Sabbath year was because the Jews had accumulated a total of 70 Sabbath years. We hear from our next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. Gloria Berry from District 10. I wanted to comment on the question addressed to the mayor in reference to the Hayes Valley area that used to have the freeway there being used for affordable housing and how important that is. I was born in the Fillmore in 1969 where I lived for 18 years. And I'll never forget the big controversy of tearing that freeway down and the promise as usual about how much that project would benefit the community, get jobs and take care of blight and solve so many problems. And it's to the point where it's ridiculous now with these projects that promises aren't met, that what the communities get told 20, 30 years ago never prevails. And then we want to wonder why people are homeless. Um, I personally was homeless for three years here in San Francisco. I would have been deemed one of those people who refused help because I refused to stay in two shelters I was sent to. And it took me nine months in transitional housing on Treasure Island to finally get a unit in San Francisco. And we need to be forward thinking that decisions we make affect the future. You think things are bad now, pay now or pay later. It's gonna get worse and worse and worse. The market rate housing availability and vacancy is through the roof. If anyone needs help getting a market rate unit, I can find you hundreds of them that are sitting empty. We need more affordable housing, and I'm not naive enough to think that it's gonna trickle down to the community that used to be here, but at least it will help someone and prevent them from being homeless. So please support the mayor and use your influence to get a project like affordable housing completed at Hayes Valley. Thank you, Gloria Berry, for your comments. The next speaker, please. 
Yes, my name is Sharona Katsalk, and I've commented how I've been incremental health treatment. Let me tell you what got me through. Um, I had a house, my family, my aunts, my cousins, they helped me. Not just, and the meals, they gave us three meals a day, good meals. These homeless people, they don't have those meals. The other day I found out that I might have needed, that I needed injections for my knee and my right knee for my arthritis. I was so depressed and so sad, I said, I gotta drink some wine. The, 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 the homeless out there, they don't, they're homeless. A lot of them have a lot of health problems. And so they turn to drugs, it's the cheapest thing around. So I'm asking you to have a little bit of sympathy and understanding for their plight. I don't think mental health is the only solution, okay? I think we gotta address the issues that face this, not only this, the city, but this whole country. The issues of a lot of money versus people that have no money. Most people have had a health emergency, their rent has been raised, they've lost a job, they've lost a loved one that used to keep them. I stayed in the shelter, I heard their stories, and you hear them on the news all the time. They want housing, housing and meeting all their needs. Okay, so I, I don't know, to me, this conservatorship, I don't know if anybody can call, but to me, it's leading us the wrong way. We need, they need housing. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the RVs. I've talked with some of those people that live in those RVs, and they, they want housing also, and they want a collective. I can bring homeless to some people that collectively being, helping each other is what is needed. The other thing is, Israel was not a country. Israel, according to the 2011, my Bible says the Bible was reading, written to found the state of Israel. That used to be Palestine and still. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hello, um, I'm Tomer. We live in the capital 15th. Hi, Hillary. Um, I'm here to speak about the tiny cabin project. I'm also from Israel, and I support Israel. I have a family there. Let's focus on the tiny cabins. We have 60 tiny cabins uh, projects that was actually approved through an uh, emergency um, approval process. Uh, my issue with that is that we already suffer um, from constant events of uh, drug use that is open in the streets, some mental breakdowns. Once a week, it actually evolves to an assault or close to assault, not every time, but it's definitely not pleasant to live there at the moment. Before such a facility is introduced in our block, it was approved against a fence of a K-5 elementary school, Marshall. I have a seven years old. There are other kids in that block that are young. And we constantly, as parents, stepping out of the house and watch constantly to maybe there is something dangerous around us. <clears throat> I don't feel there was enough due diligence in a transparent review of the impact with us, the neighborhood. There was a meeting that was public but was flooded with a, a lot of nonprofit organizations that have a stake for such a facility to take place next to a school, next to the residents. Well, I don't feel that our voices were actually heard, even though Hillary did have a meeting in the office and did listen to us, but still there is some kind of like a due diligence and an impact review and, a, and an option for us to raise a discussionary review in usual uh, cases. This one was approved under the, an ordinance of an emergency um, 
setting that was taking place in 2019. So I call here again, please reconsider, please involve us, get our feedback, slow down the project, and have the neighborhood buying into it, because that's just not right the way it is at the moment. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hello, supervisors. I'm also a uh, resident of District 9. Um, I'm here to voice my support for the efforts to get those in need of uh, services off the streets. People need to be housed, clothed, fed, and cared for. But I'm also here to voice my concern and dismay at the process and what I believe is the likely outcome of the intended placement of 60 or 70 mini houses at 16th and Mission. I represent many members of the inner mission community who are very worried about the likely consequences and the, and the unintended consequences of placing these mini cabins um, uh, behind the Walgreens. We believe that this area will suffer from increased blight, trash, violence, crime, and fires. If you look at the safe sleeping site at the bottom of South Van Ness, uh, the city promised that there would be patrols, that there would be safety patrols hasn't happened, there have been fires, there's been violence, there's been crime. Same thing at the Goff Street uh, mini cabins. There was never a community involvement process, even by the state article, uh, the articles of uh, notification, we were not given 72 hours notification for any meetings. There was a post 24 hours before a meeting that there was going to be a review of this and it was only on Hillary Ronan's email list, so not everybody in the community was, was uh, notified. In addition, the site where the, the mini cabins are, pro are proposed to go, there's no posting, there's no notification, nothing. But if you walk one block away, and I have photos to prove it, if you walk one block away on the corner of 15th and South Van Ness, on both corners where there are several large projects, there have been notifications posted for over a year. At the moment, there's a $7 million budget to place 70 mini cabins. That's $100,000 per unit. And as I understand it, these units are 65 square feet. That's $1,540 a square foot. I have a house. If I could get $1,540 a square foot, I would sell you my house in a minute. It has four bedrooms. You can put eight people in there. We're very concerned. We feel like this is being placed in our community because our community is a community of lower income people who feel like they don't have a voice and we're not being heard. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Let's hear from our next speaker, please. Hello, supervisors. <clears throat> My name's Chad and I wanted to speak about the APEC summit coming up. Um, I operate a small restaurant called Fresh Roll located on 4th Street between Mission and Howard. Um, APEC will more than likely necessitate a shutdown of our restaurant. Um, first, we don't have the ability to stock up cold or room temp food for a week. Um, our vendors are not able to deliver between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. in the middle of the night. Um, even if they were able to do that, then how would our employees get the food from Pier 27 all the way to Fourth Admission? Um, there hasn't been a lot of information about how we're actually gonna get food to our restaurant at 4th Admission in the middle of all this. Um, the fencing and security um, is gonna discourage locals from walking 4th Street. Um, but um, thirdly, if we do have to shut down, then more than likely we will have to toss some food. Um, 
80% of our revenue comes from corporate caterings and third-party deliveries. Um, if we can't get vehicles, and I don't mean scooters, if we can't get larger vehicles to our restaurant, um, then we lose 80% of our revenue during the day, plus whatever walk-in traffic is left. Um, we really want to highlight the impact that APEC will have on our small business um, and within the security zone. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Welcome. Kim Cavalloni, San Francisco Labor Council. Um, I'm here to talk about the APEC resolution that's before you today and speak in favor of it. Um, APEC is going to have a huge impact on so many people, and particularly working families. Um, the amount of money that APEC will wind up costing the city, even though I hear projections and all that, we know it's going to cost the city a ton of money. And it's kind of bizarre because most of it's going to be spent on money keeping San Franciscans away from APEC. And they're charging $4,000 a ticket. It's not like normal working people can go to this thing. Sure, you can apply for a pass at $4,000 a ticket. It's kind of absurd that so much money will be spent on keeping San Franciscans away from this huge event. And they're trying to bill it as this game changer event, and it's not. It's actually hurting more San Franciscans than it actually will help. And if it continues, and APEC continues, which it will, we will find it probably at some point wind up with a nasty trade deal similar to NAFTA, which is problematic. It is all aimed at the corporations making a lot of money at this thing, at the expense of the citizens of San Francisco. So I stand in support of this resolution. And I really, really, really want you all to keep track of the amount of money that will be spent on APEC and how much it's going to cost the citizens and the fact that they will not have a voice at the summit at all. And you're going to hear from some others in labor. It's really tragic what's happening. They're not, the small businesses aren't the only ones being kept away from their businesses. It's workers too, and, and it, it's having a costly impact on everyday working families here in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right. Welcome. Good afternoon, supervisors. Um, I'm Mike Casey with the San Francisco Labor Council, Local 2, and a resident of District 9. Um, I'm here to talk about APEC as well. We have grave concerns as billionaires, Global corporations and all their political minions are descending on San Francisco to divide up the spoils of the Pacific region. That's what's happening here. Meanwhile, working people, our members in particular, have been required to submit uh, security clearance information over three and a half, four weeks in advance of the events. We have scores of members who will not be able to work, maybe hundreds who don't feel comfortable about filling out forms in order to do their job. The Secret Service and this whole APEC thing is superseding collective bargaining agreements 
It's superseding past practices, all the rules that exist. And I want to remind somebody in our union missing one shift, that could mean the difference between a pension and a health and welfare contribution for their family. That's the effect of what APEC is. I want to thank Supervisors Chan, Preston, and Ronan for driving this. I encourage all of you to support this. This is not this might be great for, you know, those who have a whole lot of wealth and money and stuff, but this is going to further highlight, yet again, the huge gaps between those with all the power and money and those of us who are just trying to get by in this city. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Welcome. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Carl Kramer, San Francisco Living Wage Coalition. Uh, we are opposed to the uh, APEC because of a parallel process that's taking place negotiating the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. Uh, this is taking place behind closed doors with only access to corporate lobbyists. It, at this point, doesn't even have the minimal protections of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Uh, this is going to be a race to the bottom. This is a, a trade strategy of pitting the um, Vietnam, Malaysia, Brunei, and the Philippines against each other in a race to the bottom to replace China as, uh, as the workshop of the world. With that, we're also going to see downward pressure on wages in Mexico and Central America, where the Central American Free Trade Agreement has not been renegotiated with any worker protections. Uh, this is going to be devastating to the economies, particularly in uh, uh, Latin America, where we see that root cause of the forced migration of people. Uh, we, we don't need an Instagram moment to sell real estate in San Francisco. We need to, we need to protect the right to protest. Uh, we are supporting Supervisor Chan's resolution because it affirms San Francisco values, the right to protest, protecting immigrants in our city, and instead of, you know, the federal authorities, if they want to declare San Francisco a national security event, they should pay it. Pay it. We shouldn't be shelling out $10 million to pay for that. Instead, that should be going to mitigate the damages that this is causing. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Okay, welcome. Well, good afternoon. My name is Jay Connor B. Ortega, and I'm co-president of Iconic D3. I want to take this time to welcome our world leaders who are coming for APEC to San Francisco. But we, the residents of San Francisco, want the very basic things a city requires. We want more police officers, we want clean streets, we want businesses to stay and drug dealers to go. We don't want the problems that you all push into our neighborhoods to keep yours clean. Now, I agree with all you board members. I don't want crime, drug dealers, tents, and more in Telegraph Hill, Supervisor Peskin. I don't want these issues in Bernal Heights, Supervisor Ronan. I don't want them in Alamo Square, Supervisor Preston. I don't want them in the Richmond, Supervisor Chan, or even the city of Vallejo, Supervisor Walton. In fact, I don't want tents, drug dealers, crime, theft, broken businesses, endangered citizens anywhere in San Francisco, and neither does the majority of San Francisco itself. 
I wouldn't be here if all of you ran the city like your own personal neighborhoods, but because you refused to, it is now left up to people to find better replacements or even change how elections are done in the city, even going back to citywide elections, if you still all refuse to fix the problems of the city. This board has gotten so comfortable with the people not tuned in with the dangers and anti, the dangerous and anti-SF policies that this board passes. But like Mayor Breed said, the tide is changing. People are waking up and no longer willing to accept the failure from this board. Thank you all. Guys are horses ass. Thank you for your comments. And before the next speaker speaks, I'll just, I didn't want to interrupt you mid-speech, Jacob, but Jake, for everyone else who's going to address the board, please make sure that you're addressing your comments to the board as a whole, not to individual members of the board. Okay, thank you. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, my name is Ronald Carter. I'm the founder and developer of something called American Economic Recovery Project Foundation International Commission, which contains 40, 30 or 40 different ethnic uh, economic recovery project foundations that I have created uh, websites for and listed on Facebook. Now, as you all may know, that Facebook suffers some face, some gaffes and some illegalities that expose everyone's uh, private information to people and that their Facebook websites were hacked and compromised. So not wanting to have or to allow for that calamity to have any effect on the reason why I created these companies were to be companies that could develop funding to go to community service uh, uh, services such as homeless advocacy, housing, drug addiction, alcohol addiction program services and, and, and that I have some ideas about strategy on how to get the money and raise money for those purposes, but yet I'm on the outside looking in. Now, uh, Supervisor Walton has been successful in creating and getting created the reparations commission. And I think to myself that if I had a floating board, if I had a board and I had some infrastructure and some support from the city that I would bring these 49 companies to it so that they could take over the, the task of helping me to make sure that these things work. And so that's why I'm coming to the board to ask the board and Supervisor Rowland to allow me and help me to create a constructive proposal resolution to present to the board to be voted on to bring me in, bring these things in to the city so we can see if we can make them work. And that's all I have to say. Well, thank you for your comments. And I will look forward to hearing back from the board as soon as possible. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. Um, thank you, everyone in this room, for denouncing hate and discrimination. I know everybody in this room has taken it um, as a personal agenda to do that. Um, the political environment, there's a lot of hate going on, a lot of political hate. Just to re um, go back to last Tuesday, that morning, someone used political speech to try and run me over. Um, we talked about that last, last week. Um, Wednesday, I posted some um, comments about San Francisco and some um, other things I'm taking on with the CDC, Health and Human Services, about San Francisco. On Thursday, there was a judge in my hometown in Washington County that was shot. So you can understand the reality of what's happening, and I think we all know what is happening today. Um, to change the topic a little bit, 
I'm going to go back to my alma mater, Northeastern University. And back in 2000, or 2022, they backed down on their surveillance in their privacy lab. And they noted that it was invasive from the graduate student's perspective, but also emitted a radio frequency noise that interfered with their research. If it interfered with a graduate student at Northeastern, what do you think it does to a person that does drugs on the streets? Putting surveillance on a person emits a radio frequency that causes anxiety. So we need to rethink our public health, public safety strategy on surveillance, our political um, surveillance as well, because that is what's increasing the hate, the discrimination, and each other attacking each other. So that's what we need to focus on. But I do want to thank the Board of Supervisors for taking that, that's um, denouncing hate and discrimination. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Welcome, Mark Sullivan. Good afternoon, Supervisors, Madam Clerk, Mr. President. Mark Sullivan, I'm speaking both to the Board and to the people at home. I've been around the block in this building so many times, but what's happened to us in North Mission over the past nine months has been beyond the pale. The proposed tent cap or cabin village at, at 1979 Mission was, let, was informed to us back in January. We were told by our supervisor that she would not take any action on this until certain criteria had been met and she had contacted us first. None of that turned out to be the case. We were informed at a meeting last week that the decision had been made, even though there's a community meeting that was held several days later. Learning that there's, you know, the deal's done, we went ahead and told our folks, why even waste your time going? So, but a few of us went, we wanted to see what it was like, and it turned out that the entire nonprofit apparatus, the cartel that runs mission politics, was there to go ahead and shut down the voices of residents in our community, which really meant that our tax dollars were financing operations to come in and abrogate residents of political speech. The intimidation was pretty high. Personally, my husband told me that somebody was standing right behind me with their hands on my chair, making motions towards coming at me. I was too enwrapped in what was going on at the, at the proceedings to go ahead and know this. Other nonprofiteers came up to me and really you know, urged me to go ahead and pipe it down because I called our supervisor a liar, which is prevarication is lies, and Mr. Dodge and NIMBY. So what we have here is a bunch of people coming into our community who don't live anywhere near us, saying we're NIMBYs for not accepting services that they don't want in their neighborhoods. Our neighborhood has welcomed affordable housing buildings, four of them, a fifth is on the way, we want more. But when you come to put a homeless cabin village adjacent to an elementary school that is populated by young people of color, immigrants, some who are homeless, and people call you on that, that's how you get the kind of reaction we saw. Because we're calling them out for the racism that they're engaging in, and their only response is to turn around and darvo that on us. Okay, I don't expect this to change, but what it does is like a particle collision, when you get these kind of collapses, you see exactly where everyone stands. Like Burroughs said, the naked lunch, where everyone sees at the ends of everyone else's fork. So we've, you know, we've recommended that you do this at the UCSF parking lot. That's a much larger facility, it's permanent, it's like two thirds disused. But we asked the supervisor about this and she said, yeah, we talked to, we talked to UCSF. Sunshine request revealed that not to be the case. So when we have a supervisor that is holding her constituents in contempt, misrepresenting ourselves and doing it in a way that's like, you know, I've seen a lot of lies. This was pretty over the top here. You know, what can we really do to get representation? This kind of hijacking of the progressive project is what has led to progressives being extirpated from politics, except for one, 
here in San Francisco and has led to an alt-right coup d'etat. The lack of responsiveness and contempt in which these people hold actual residence is what has led to this collapse. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Ma'am, you've already had your two minutes. Hold on, hold, we'll, we'll, next speaker, please. Shh, shh. Eight Stop. years. No, okay, should I just uh, go on? Yes, please. Okay. Sorry, yeah. eight years and eight months. My name is Elisha Rochelle, a native of San Francisco and a resident of Bayview Hunters Point for over 40 years. I continue my work within the community as a caregiver, teacher, and advocate for our children and our families. Eight years and eight months of mothers suffering with very little resources. Why does a mother or any other family member have to be dragged back and forth to court to relive the injury of trauma over and over again? After eight years and eight months, no trial date has been set for San Francisco's quadruple homicide. Where's the support for the families? We need a place full of resources just for us. I'm a sister of Youssef. Laron Campbell, who was murdered here in San Francisco, and I'm a witness of many who have walked down the road of losing a loved one to gun violence, with little or no help outside of help with burial services. Eight years and eight months, where are the real resources for healing? Eight years and eight months, where is a place to go for comfort and meeting basic needs? Eight years and eight months. Where is someone to talk to who actually understands? Eight years and eight months. We, the families of murdered victims, need our city support. We need your support to see our hearts and to see our needs. Eight years and eight months. We need a hub, a sanctuary for this pandemic of murders. For eight years and eight months, we, the families, have barely been making it. Supervisors, I urge you to please help us and support our request for a physical hub specifically shaped for mothers and their families, filled with mothers who understand. Thank you for your ear. Thank you for allowing your heart to feel, and thank you in advance for your support. I wrote this in 10 minutes as a prompt in a class um, environment. This was on my heart, and it came out just like this. Thank you for your comments. I just want to thank Alicia Rochelle, who's been standing by my side all of these years. She's very, very aware. She's been watching the pain and the suffrage that myself have been going through eight years and eight months of still no trial date concerning the murder of my son, Yalani Chinya Marinde. I say to you, Shalom is in the Shamath of Yahweh our Elohim, who calls the universe and the earth to be the ancient Hebrew creator. Hag HaShabuka, this is now the time of our Feast of the Tabernacle because we are the true ancient Hebrews. It is wars going on all over this country and there are those who are crying out, claiming for our identity of who we are as a nation of people. For it says in scripture that we will make you not as a nation. I have come into the knowledge of who I am, and my position is to rise and stand and to show forth that the commonly called African-American community, the Hebrews, the Israelites, are here. They are the nation of people that have been scattered all over the north, the south, and the east, and the west. I find it interesting when it says chosen people, 
and it says shalom. Shalom means peace. Why is it bombs being dropped on children? Why is it that homes is being scattered and, and lives are being destroyed in the name of a God that you say a religious war? The time is now. Every one of us are being held accountable and judgment day is here. The murder of my son, Prince Yalani Chinyamarende, life would not be in vain. I rose to be the woman who I am. I'm chosen by my people to be their representative and I have accepted this position. I will reign and I will reign in justice and I will reign of shalom and I will reign of equality. I'm truly thankful for the Italian Cultural Month for every culture should be acknowledged. But I find it interesting that the African- Thank you, Sella. Thank you, Sella Hakuya Chandler. Next speaker, please. My mic on. I support everything Salah's doing. Uh, that incident happened in my community years ago, eight years ago, in the Western Edition, and we haven't recovered from it yet. So many murders. But I'm here today to talk. My name is Ace on the case. Of course, you're seeing the reparation. I'm not here to talk about it. I want y'all to know I ain't letting it die down. I still want my five, okay? But I'm here to talk about specifically the edition, the Western Edition edition. Uh, Fillmore Heritage Center, as you may or may not know, our honorable mayor put out a press release last week that a committee has been uh, considered in that position. I talked to several leaders, Reverend Brown and others, that there's going to be a meeting uh, uh, November the uh, 12th, second Friday, I said Sunday. But my issue is I like to know what's really going on, who are the... Uh, select committee members, the uh, board. Uh, listen, I know it's got to come before your board, so it's going to take some time. But I'm doing the investigating and finding out what the hell's going on. My name is Ace. I'm on the case. And I'm trying to put together a town hall meeting, perhaps maybe before Reverend Brown's meeting or after, to really find out what's happening. Um, i got 30 seconds to add. i got through that pretty quick. Okay, so I got about 32 seconds. What I want to talk about? Hey, my name is Ace. I'm on the case. I know I look like Black Santa Claus right now, but that's not the case. <laughs> Listen, I, I've talked to my uh, supervisor, his representative, to do a town hall meeting, and we're going to try to work something out because I got information that my supervisor don't have. I don't think he has members on that select committee. I worked hard today to get it, and I got it. So my name is Ace, is on the case, and I'm going to be doing that uh, Yoshi's thing and finding out what's happening. Thank you. Thank you, Ace Washington. All right, let's hear from our next speaker, please. Thank you, Jocelyn. Hi. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Brandon Lee, and I'm with the San Francisco Committee for Human Rights in the Philippines. I was born and raised in District 4 and lived there until I moved to the Philippines in 2010. Every Board of Supervisor meeting starts with a land acknowledgement that we are on unceded Ramatush Ohlone land. 
if San Francisco is indeed sincere about land acknowledgement, then we would not be hosting APEC. APEC peddles false neoliberal solutions that has allowed foreign mining companies to exploit and profit 100% from the plundering of indigenous peoples' lands. Through the Philippine Mining Act of 1995, it has exacerbated climate crisis through its environmental destruction and displaced countless indigenous communities. When indigenous people protest, they are met with the full wrath of the state. Their communities are militarized, strafed with artillery, fire, and bombed. Indigenous rights activists are threatened, harassed, placed under surveillance, slapped with bogus charges, illegally arrested, abducted, tortured, and silenced. I am living proof of the consequence of political repression every day. I ask everyone here in this chamber, is this what San Francisco stands for? I ask the supervisors here to pass the resolution. Do not allow political repression on our soil to stand with the people and allow us to protest front and center without fear to our lives. Stand with indigenous peoples, stand with the environment and climate justice. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon Lee, for your comments coming down today. Hi, my name is MB, and I work in the Excelsior of District 11 in San Francisco at the Filipino Community Center. I'm here to share why I'm concerned about our city's funding priorities to host APEC. The Filipino Community Center is dedicated to providing a safe space where Filipino families can access services, receive support, and build community. We serve Filipino migrant workers who are essential to the workforce of this city. APEC will impact all San Francisco residents and workers, especially low-wage migrant workers who work or live in the nearby areas where APEC will be hosted. APEC will make it difficult for workers to regularly commute to and from work. Low-wage workers cannot afford any loss of income as it's already extremely difficult to afford living and working here in San Francisco. Loss of income for migrant workers means loss of income for their families here in San Francisco and also their families they are supporting in their home countries like the Philippines. The amount of policing and security of APEC will discourage workers from going to work as it threatens their safety, especially for undocumented service providers, caregivers, and other undocumented workers of all kinds of industries who will be too afraid to go to work during the week-long APEC leaders meeting. The city's lack of transparency of how APEC will specifically impact undocumented workers is a big concern for me. Uh, workers will always be essential to the economic workforce of San Francisco, and our city needs to prioritize the needs of workers as well as their concerns. Workers and community-based organizations had to fight against the budget cuts the mayor proposed earlier this year. Community-based organizations in our most vulnerable communities and SF cannot afford another potential 3% budget cuts that the mayor is proposing mid-year next year. Funding for affordable housing, services for the unhoused, food, food security and all services, resources and programs to support low-wage workers and protect their rights as workers needs to be the top priority and not APEC. I urgently call on the support of the Board of Supervisors to support the resolution, to urge the mayor's office to prioritize the community, to provide linguistically appropriate real-time information and outreach about APEC, uh, and to prioritize the 10 million currently on reserve for the community instead of reserving it for APEC, and to prioritize all of the residents and neighborhoods impacted by APEC, including loss of income for workers. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. 
just want to introduce Arturo Cosenza, who will be doing the interpretation. And Arturo, you can use that microphone there when you're ready. Okay. Welcome. Buenas tardes. Mi nombre es Beatriz Almazán. Vivo en el Distrito 10. Y estoy aquí para apoyar en contra de la PED, que se le están dando los recursos que deberían ser para otros programas, como los bancos de alimentos, vivienda y demás. Le pido también que también apoyen a los negocios pequeños y viviendas de los que están al frente de lo que es el Mosconi Center, que son afectados por este evento, y que todas las personas que vayan a este evento cuenten con la protección de los servicios. Disculpe, me equivoqué. Que toda la gente que vaya a este evento que tenga derecho a la libertad de expresión. Gracias. Gracias. Um, the following is a site translation of the speaker's comment. Um, good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Beatriz um, Almazan. I live in District 10 and I am a member of TUWU, Trabajadores Unidos, Workers United. I'm here to, uh, to stand against uh, APEC because they are uh, being given resources that should be guided to programs such as uh, housing, uh, the food bank, and I'm also here to protest that uh, small businesses and housing are being affected by APEC, especially around the area of Moscone Center. Um, I'm asking that the rights of the most vulnerable be uh, protected, especially uh, for uh, their expression of, of their political views, and they be protected also with uh, the special security service. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias, senora. Next speaker, please. Buenas tardes. Señores supervisores, gracias por permitirnos expresarnos en esta tarde en estos uh, comentarios públicos. Mi nombre es Luis Mejía, soy del Distrito 9, trabajo acá en San Francisco. Actualmente tengo un trabajo temporal, pertenezco al Centro de Trabajadores Tubo. Eh, para comenzar, yo le diría a nuestra señora alcaldesa, ¿por qué... Este dinero que se está reuniendo para recibir a este grupo que viene bajo las siglas de APEC no se, no se distribuye en San Francisco a beneficio de las personas que aquí residimos. Tenemos, por ejemplo, un lugar en donde puede estar bien invertido, los cuales son nuestros bancos de comida, esos alimentos han bajado. Y si la población come bien, tiene fuerzas para trabajar y para levantar la economía. Así también se necesitan más fondos para estampillas y especialmente para viviendas accesibles que se necesitan tanto en este lugar. Algo muy importante es que hasta hoy Es poco o casi nada lo que sabemos de APEC. ¿Qué es APEC? ¿En qué nos beneficia? ¿Cuáles son los pros y los contras? 
Eso no lo sabemos. Y también creo que como ciudadanos de San Francisco tenemos derecho a esa información. ¿Han pensado alguna vez en las inconvenientes que APEC trae a los residentes de San Francisco? Conozco una persona deshabilitada con su silla de ruedas. Está preocupada porque la van a sacar de su lugar donde vive. Necesitamos. Gracias por sus comentarios. The following is a side translation of the speaker's comment along with some other additions. Um, good afternoon, supervisors. Thank you for letting us come here to express ourselves uh, regarding uh, the upcoming conference for uh, APEC. Uh, my name is Luis Mejia and I live in District 9. Uh, I'm also a part-time worker and a member of TUWU. Um, I am here to ask uh, Mayor Breed, why is money being invested that could be going for services in the community in this, uh, for this conference? Uh, we need uh, funds in programs like uh, the food bank and food stamps and affordable housing. Um, We also need to have uh, transparent information regarding uh, what APEC is. We don't really know what kind of effects it's going to have in, on, in our lives. Um, we also ask you to respect the, our rights to protest and to express our opinion, uh, just as, a, and as, as well to protect the city's policy as a, a sanctuary city. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Camilo Perez Bustillo. I'm here representing the NOTA APEC Coalition. I'm also the executive director of the National Lawyers Guild of the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm a human rights lawyer and professor of human rights. I live and work in District 9. Es un honor estar aquí con ustedes and with the human rights warriors that precede me and will follow. I'm speaking in support of the resolution that's being introduced and of our statement that has drawn 178 individual signatures and that of 24 organizations so far, because that will continue. And I have also copies of the resolution to share with you. I want to speak about the impact of APEC on human rights and the relationship between APEC and human rights. That's both in terms of the impact of APEC on the human rights of residents of San Francisco including our rights to peaceful protest, dissent, expression, and organization, and to be free of unlawful surveillance, intimidation, and over-policing, which is inherent in what is, in effect, the militarization of the city imposed by its designation as a national security special event. But it's also important to keep in mind the impact of APEC on human rights and the well-documented links between so-called free trade, neoliberal policies on labor rights and human rights everywhere they've been imposed. This is an especially propitious day to talk about this, October 24th, which marks the 78th anniversary of the founding of the United Nations 
and of when the UN Charter went into effect, which was drafted and signed here in San Francisco in June of 1945. That's why we have UN Plaza. We should always remember that history. It is the UN Charter, in turn, which provides the framework for the human rights issues we're addressing today and which laid the foundation for the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, whose 78th anniversary will be observed Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. Can we hear from our next speaker, please? Yes, we'll come collect that from you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Um, hey, everybody. Keen Chukwuneta. Um, I'm a senior campaign coordinator with Jobs for Justice San Francisco. I'm here to talk about the impact of APEC um, on workers. I want to speak in support of the resolution. Uh, it, it's really striking to me personally how many of the people in this room were here um, at outside City Hall just six months ago, you know, begging you all for 10, 15, 20 grand to fund vital community services like our food bank, services for folks with HIV, community farms, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, we've got 20 million to spend on security for a summit focused on destroying workers' rights abroad um, and forcing San Franciscan, North American, South American workers to compete with other working people abroad. Uh, so, you know, we always talk about how there's a doom loop in San Francisco, but it's bodies like APEC that birth doom loops all around the world. My parents are Nigerian immigrants who were forced to come here in the 80s because of economic dislocation, and it's, place, it's bodies like APEC that birth these sorts of, uh, this sort of displacement. I really feel that we should be focusing on building a sustainable economy here in San Francisco um, for the people who have built the city and that live here. Um, and I just want to say, you know, many of you, I've seen you walking up and down picket lines all over the city saying, you know, San Francisco's a union town. Days like today are where we get to show it. So again, I want to speak in support of the resolution. Thank you all for your time. Thank you for your comments. Let's hear from our next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Bob Price. I'm a resident of District 8, a retired city college instructor, and an organizer with the Freedom Socialist Party. Our office and community center is four blocks north of here on Polk Street in the Tenderloin District, number five. I'm also a member of the American Federation of Teachers Local 2121 Retirees Chapter and a former Labor Council delegate. The publicity promoting APEX says that it's going to be epic. Actually, it's going to be epically disruptive. As a former educator at, at a public college, I've seen firsthand the effects of neoliberal policies promoted by so-called free trade groupings like APEC. During my 34 years at CCSF, I saw the college grow to provide a broad range of courses to address the needs of San Franciscans, from new high school grads to immigrants to seniors. However, in the past 10 to 15 years, austerity budgets have led to drastic cuts and shrinking of the college. The broad effects of pre-trade produce these kinds of situations and limit community access to education and public services. The more immediate, the more immediate effect of the coming APEX summit is the havoc it will wreak on people living, working, 
uh, going to school in the exclusion zone. City College's downtown campus will be affected along with some, some schools from the SF Unified School District. Our youth and students are more important than a strategy meeting to benefit corporations and billionaires. You should spend city money to accommodate community members, not aid to APEC. A, co a colleague of mine with a disability couldn't come here today, although they had planned to. They asked me to point out the importance of the Independent Living Resource Center and the vital services they provide to the disability community. Located within the exclusion zone, their office will not be readily accessible. Please also use city funds to assist unhoused San Franciscans who will be pushed out of the exclusion zone and into other neighborhoods uh, like the Tenderloin. No city funds for APEC provide money for affected San Franciscans, not billionaires. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Let's hear from our next speaker, please. Thank you. Hola, buenas tardes, supervisores. Mi nombre es Adriana Rendón. Estoy con Trabajadores Unidos, Workers United. Yo vivo en el Distrito 6, en Soma. Y estoy aquí apoyando esta resolución. Exijo que este fondo se vaya a nuestra comunidad que va a estar siendo afectada por esta cooperativa APEC. Um, mi pregunta es, ¿por qué apoyar a estas personas billonarias y no a su comunidad? Exijo se apoye estos negocios pequeños, a estas escuelas, trabajadores que van a estar siendo afectados por esta cooperativa. También exijo que proteja los derechos como ciudad santuario y protege, también proteja nuestros derechos a la protesta y a nuestro uso de libre expresión. Muchas gracias. Uh, the following is a side translation of what the speaker just said. Um, good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Adriana Rendon. I live in District 6 in Soma. I am a, a member of TUWU, Trabajadores Unidos and Workers United. I am here in support of the resolution, and I demand that the, the funds be funneled to our community that is affected by APEC. Uh, why are you supporting billionaires and not your community, I ask? I demand that you support small businesses, schools, and the workers that are affected by APEC, just as well that I think that you should uh, protect the rights that we have as a sanctuary city and our rights to protest and to free speech. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Thank you, Arturo, for the interpretation. Next speaker. Antes que nada, buenas tardes, este, supervisores. Mi nombre es Guadalupe Llam y, uh, y, y de igual forma soy también parte de la, grupa, de, la agrupación de Tufu. Yo vivo en, la, en el área de Tenelo. Eh, en primer lugar, pues sí, yo igual también, pues yo estoy en contra también de lo que es el, el APEC. De, debería usar estos, estos fondos para, para nuestra comunidad, afectada afectar por, por, esta, por esta cooperativa de igual forma. Eh, 
Eh, nada más eso es lo que quería The following is a summary of what the speaker just said. Good afternoon, members of the board. My name is Guadalupe Young. I am also a member of Atuwu, and I live in the Tenderloin. I'm here to uh, ask you to, uh, to please prioritize the funds that are being allocated for APEC to our neighborhoods that are affected by APEC and also the small businesses. Thank you. Thank you, Arturo. Next speaker. Buenas tardes, supervisores de San Francisco. Es un placer estar aquí representando a la comunidad um, distrito número 11. Oh, English, I forgot. Good afternoon, supervisors of San Francisco. It's a pleasure to be here and to be able to speak for my community, which is Excelsior, uh, district number 11. And I'm here to support, of course, the immigrants, number one, because they are, they work from cross town, come from the mission, come from all over to come to downtown, which is their main job. And they're scared if they're undocumented, they're afraid to be arrested. And this has been, um, I come here since I'm a little girl, I'm an immigrant, and I found that San Francisco has always been a sanctuary place. But I wonder if it's gonna be respected on those days and these days that are coming. I just wanna represent them, the elderly, to be protected, the immigrants, the elderly, that they will stay home, that they don't wanna come out because of the event. You can be a millionaire, you can have all the money you want. I'm not against that, I'm against the way you spend your money. Let's do it in favor, not to cause any damage to our city in a certain ways by closing little businesses and people that can even commute here. I thank you for being able to speak for my community, for the immigrants that are here undocumented and they're afraid to come in. Please protect us in those days. I will appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Buenas tardes, señores, damas y caballeros de la Junta de Supervisores. Yo, mi nombre es Juana Inés y vengo como, yo lo considero así como representando la comunidad vulnerable. Pienso en las personas que trabajan por esa área y que posiblemente su trabajo va a estar cerrado o no. Este, y van a, a pasar, se imaginan, yo me pongo en su lugar, si yo estuviera trabajando y tuviera que llevar la comida a la mesa y voy a perder todos esos días de trabajo, en vez de que nos beneficie eso, no sé cómo le van a hacer ustedes, pero son representantes de la ciudad. Yo sé que aquí está el representante de mi distrito, donde yo vivo, pero ¿qué, qué importa si vivo al norte o al sur? Somos una comunidad, somos una ciudad en que debemos de pensar en el bienestar de todos, para el bien de todos. Entonces, les pido que respeten, que busquen la manera de respetar los derechos de la gente que no tenga una identificación válida para pasar por allí, 
que no le vayan a perjudicar su vida, su familia, su, su, su casa, su alimento, si de su trabajo. Yo, que busquen la manera de que este evento no afecte a las personas. Hay que buscar el bien de los demás, no afectarlos. Muchas gracias. Espero que hagan algo. Uh, the following is a summary of what the speaker just said. Good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen and members of the board. My name is Juana Inés. Um, I'm here to represent vulnerable communities. I want to, uh, I want you to think about the people that have to go to work and when they show up, they don't know if their workplace is going to be open or closed, but they still have to put food on the table, but they don't know how they're going to do that. Um, I'm asking you to, to think about how you're going to be applying the funds and to think of the, the people who uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to read my notes here. Um, I want you to respect everyone that is also affected by this. There are people who do not have identifications and can't uh, go through uh, checkpoints. This, uh, this is possibly a, a danger for them. Uh, what about their housing? What about food? Uh, when you make this decision, I want you to just please think about our community and not just uh, yourselves. Thank you. Thank you, Arturo, for the interpretation. Next speaker. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Reina Teo. I live in District 10 and work in District 11 at Poder. Um, before I come to deliver this message, since it's the first time I haven't been limited to one minute, I would like to point out that what we're discussing today, all this money that goes to this APEC and making it as comfortable for the visit as possible, that money could very well be invested in interpretation for all of these meetings. It is super unfair. That was my mom, and she can't understand anything that you are saying, but she has to be happy and content with the summary of what she is saying to you. And these are your constituents. These are the people who live in San Francisco, who work in San Francisco. I can't tell you how much um, that would mean to them to be able to participate in a process that should include them because they live in San Francisco. And so I just wanted to start off with that. Um, I'm here today to ask you to please support this resolution um, because I can't explain to you or in words what it looks like for our communities who have to go through these checkpoints to go to work, to go to school. There are families that are bracing themselves. Um, these immigrant communities are bracing themselves to stay home for seven days. And that looks really ugly. I think all of you went through the pandemic with us and know what that isolation looks like. And for some of these immigrant families, that's what every day looks like when they have this fear in them. And we are a sanctuary city. This ordinance is super imperative for you to uphold that during this week so that people can live their regular lives. This is not something they asked for. This is not something we asked for. We've been opposing it from day one. And I just want you to keep that in mind, that we have to keep this being San Francisco. Not the San Francisco we see on Instagram or Facebook or the commercials, but the real San Francisco that we love. There's a reason why all of you ran to support, um, to represent the city. Um, 
Thank you for your comments. Apologies for cutting you off, but we are setting the timer for two minutes. Next speaker. Buenas tardes. Soy Gloria Esteba y trabajo con la comunidad por medio de la organización Causa Justa y estoy aquí para pedirles nuevamente mover nuevamente su humanidad y tal vez ustedes piensen que ocho días los perjuicios que van a hacer son mínimos pero no es así nuestra comunidad vive el día y si no se implementan medidas para que no sean afectados pues va a pasar lo de siempre que la gente más pobre va a estar más pobre aún. Es importante que tomen en cuenta que la comunidad necesita de sus representantes y nosotros estamos observando si nos apoyan o como decimos en el país, se hacen de la vista gorda y no les importa. Es, yo creo que es importante que se resuelva la propuesta de la supervisora Chang, la resolución, y que nos apoyen de esa manera. Ustedes pueden hacerlo, ¿por qué? Porque creo que como vienen de nuestros distritos y algunos han sido apoyados por esa comunidad tan pobre, es importante que ahora que necesitamos el apoyo, se note que están con nosotros. Y quizás se diga, ay, pues son siete días para nuestra comunidad, es media quincena que no van a, no van a llegar a pagar la renta. Y va a haber más gente en las calles. Y también los exhorto a que no se afecte a la comunidad que está en la calle, porque también es, es nuestra comunidad. Y por eso hablé de humanidad. Porque Thank you for your comments. Okay, thank you. The following is a summary of what the speaker just said. Good afternoon, members of the board. My name is Gloria Esteban. Uh, I work uh, in the community for just cause. Um, I'm just here to ask you just for one day to be humane and to think uh, of the day-to-day -day lives of the poor, people who have uh, no measure whatsoever. Um, uh, this, uh, the, the, up, the upcoming conference is going to affect people who are poor and is more likely going to make them even more poor. Uh, we need your respect. Uh, we are here to watch to see if you support us uh, or if you don't care. Uh, I'm here to support Supervisor Chen's uh, resolution. Uh, and I'm here also to ask you to support the poor. We need to know that you stand with us and also to protect the people who are unhoused uh, as well. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Thank you, Arturo. Next speaker.
Uh, good afternoon, uh, supervisors. Magandang hapon po. My name is uh, Jorge Octaviano. I'm 82 years old. I'm a Wolf House resident right in front of Moscone Center. So obviously, this is about APEC. I don't know of any instance where an event of this magnitude is held where many seniors live. Yet, no outreach have been made to get our input, our concerns. And what are our concerns? Many of that has been said already, but it's access to emergency services, transportation, food availability. Maybe it's late in the game. Maybe this will not happen anymore. So, we will just survive this event. I could be wrong, but uh, my request is that whatever plans have been approved to please give us Provide us with written information about APEC restrictions on the exclusion zone. Example, are we supposed to carry a picture ID? This should be in hard print because seniors are not computer literate. People just keep saying, oh, check the update on the internet. Many seniors don't even have any uh, computers. That's all I have to say, and thank you very much. Thank you so much for your comments. Next speaker. Magandang hapon po sa inyong lahat. Ako po ay si Luz Francisco, nakatira sa Paulson, Port Street. Ako po ay 79 years old. Una sa lahat, ako ay nagpapasalamat dahil tayo ang napili para ganapin ang malaking event na ito. Dito gaganapin. Lalo-lalo na Maraming dadalong matataas na pinuno sa ibang bansa. Ako'y nagagala na dito gaganampin pagdadausan ng Apex dito sa San Francisco. Sa, na, na ang Francisco City ay isang pinakamagandang lungsod dito sa ating bansa. Kaya lang po sa isang katulad kong senior na maraming nararamdaman 
ako po ay marami schedule na pinupuntahan sa mga, mga activity, na mga senior activity. At hindi lang iyan, may appointment pa ako sa doktor, sa aking doktor. Kaya nalilito ako. Talaga ako, naka, hindi ako makalabas sa aking buho, sa, bah sa bahay. Meron ba kayong maibibigay na paraan para ako ay makalabas at makakabalik ako sa aking bahay na hindi dadaanan ng checkpoint? Mabibigyan ba ninyo ng solusyon na aking niyayag? Ako isang ligtas na anumang oras, ako'y makakakalabas para pumunta sa aking pang-araw-araw na gagawin. At gayon din po, sinusuportahan ko po ang resolusyon ni Supervisor Connie Chan. Marami pong salamat. God bless you all. Love you. Salamat po. Uh, the following is a slight translation of what she said. Good afternoon, I am Luz Francisco. I am living in Fort and Folsom Street. First of all, I am thankful that we were chosen to host this big event. And because of this, a lot of leaders from high positions are coming from different countries. I'm happy that APEC will be held here in San Francisco, the most beautiful city. However, for a senior like me, I have so many ailments. I have many schedules where I go to and other senior activities. And not only that, I have an appointment with my doctor. That's why I'm confused if I will be able to go out of my house. Do you have a way so that you can give to me that I can go out and come back to my house without going to the checkpoints? Would I be given a solution for what I have just said to you? Will I be safe anytime I go out to go to my daily activities? I support the resolution of Supervisor Connie Chan. Thank you. Thank you very much for the interpretation. Next speaker. Magandang hapon po sa lahat. Ako ay si Wilhelmina Torres, um, 72 years old at nakatira sa South of Market, District Nung narinig ko about APEC, ako po ay nag-alala kasi um, marami akong sakit. So marami din ako mga doctor's appointment. At halos araw-araw ay pumupunta ako sa iba't ibang senior centers. Kaya nag-aalala ako kung magagawa ko pa din ang dati kong ginagawa kasi hinahatid sundo ako ng paratransit. Ang isa pang concern ko ay ang aking safety, ang safety ng lahat. Kasi darating ang maraming uh, head of state or mga pinuno ng iba't ibang bansa. So ang concern ko ay kung safe tayo sa ating mga kaaway like terrorist or mga suicide bomber. Kasi gaya ng nangyari sa Israel na nagulat sila na bigla na lang silang napasok ng Hamas. 
at ako din ay sumusuporta sa resolution ni Supervisor Chan. Thank you. Good afternoon to all. I am Wilhelmina Torres, 72 years old, and living in Howard and 4th Street at South of Market, District 6. When I heard about the APEC, I was worried because I just live in front of the Moscone Convention Center. Uh, this is where APEC will be held. I have, I have a lot of ailments, and that's why I have many doctor's appointments. Almost every day, I go to different senior centers, and I heard that the place will be closed. Uh, I use paratransit to go to, to, to the appointment, so it, it be, would it still be possible to go there? During the APEC meeting, uh, one of my concerns is if I will be safe during this period, because I will be going to many, because there will be many heads of states coming here. And because of what happened to Ukraine and Israel, I am I'm frightened that it may happen here in America, especially in San Francisco. That's why I would like to leave this question to you. If, will I be safe? Will we be safe from all the, you know, from all the threats from our enemies, just like when the terrorists, just like terrorists and suicide bombers? I support the resolution of Supervisor Connie Chan. Thank you. Thank you, Raymond. Next speaker. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Angie Bagares, a 77-year senior, a resident of 380 Clementina Street, which is on 5th Street, and also just a block away from the Moscone Center, which is in the 4th Street, where many senior residences are located. And the seniors are really concerned about this APIC because we, about our access in going out from our house and coming back, when Moscone will be secured or cordoned because of the security uh, for the dignitaries. How about the securities of the seniors, our safety and security in the streets? Are we also protected? And it's a, it's a week-long conference, and our routine activities will be affected, just like going to the stores, carrying heavy loads, because the, the traffic, I think, the bus stops will be rerouted. And in a, going to the churches, senior centers, and doctor appointments, and many more and transportation will be routed, and you have a long way to walk to the bus stop. And we don't even know what bus to take, which is the bus stop for our bus. And, and also, thank you for giving the seniors the chance to express their concern. And I urge the Board of Supervisors to support Connie Chang resolution to protect the seniors and residences and my community concerned during the APIC. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Good afternoon, Supervisor. Um, 
My name is Marilu Almeria. I, li I live in, in, in Gershide. Food is important for me. And I have medicine and doctors. I pay, I pay for the housing and utility, water, and all expensive. Have, have no work. I need food, stamp, and other income for my health care. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. Next speaker. Hi, uh, good afternoon, uh, Supervisor. I hope um, you listen our uh, this uh, our uh, concern. Uh, my name is Margarita, and I live here in San Francisco for 28 years. My concern to lower the rent, you know, housing here in San Francisco is too expensive. Save that money instead you spending that pan for APEC. Give it to the people who needs that especially food security, medicine. We need more access to our everyday basic. Needs to more policies and surveillance that will hearted for us. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Sharo Orkiza and I live in District 10 in Visitation Valley um, and I work in District 11 with the Filipino Community Center. Um, we are under the alliance of the San Francisco Immigrant Legal and Education Network or SF Island uh, and I'm here to express my concern on how APEC Leader Summit will impact the immigrant uh, community here in SF. Um, and also trying to echo what all of the seniors and also the immigrant workers have shared with you all so far. Um, you know, there's been a lack of transparency on the planning of APEC. Um, and the only way people know that APEC is coming here is through um, the SF Muni buses um, and all of the ads that has been, you know, like going around the city. Um, but it doesn't really show how big this conference is and how it will bring many police, secret services, and other law enforcements on the week of the Leader Summit. Additionally, there will be checkpoints around the vicinity of Moscone, uh, where many of the immigrant workers currently travel to frequently. Uh, they already don't know, don't feel comfortable with having police around and having these checkpoints will continue to scare them, um, especially those who are undocumented. And because of the lack of transparency, the community cannot prepare themselves during this week, which is a really big concern. Um, we get many questions around what to expect during the APEC uh, summit, especially around housing in the SOMA and also Tenderloin. Um, and we as community organization cannot even answer those questions and don't know where to uh, lead them towards because the lack of transparency. And so we ask that there's absolutely uh, no to wasting public funds on the APEC event. And we ask that the $10 million be used to provide language accessible information to immigrant community about the route changes, the restriction zones and all of the information um, to prepare our community members as much as possible. And it is our responsibility to make immigrant uh, community feel safe in their own city and neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Hello, supervisors. My name is Trina. I've lived my whole life in San Francisco and I work in District 11 at the Filipino Community Center. 
I'm here to support the resolution put forward by Supervisor Chan and express my concerns regarding the hosting of APEC and SF through public funds. I work with high school migrant youth and we strive to equip them with essential services like young workers' rights, food security, culturally relevant education, and urge them to develop their leadership through community organizing. In anticipation for November, APEC aggressively prided itself as a venue where the voices of the future, aka the youth, can ensure a balanced, sustainable, and inclusive future through science, innovation, and technology. What concerns me as a supporter of the youth is that APEC's vision and the lens they're going to actualize it is fundamental fundamentally at the expense of working class youth and their rights and well-being who will be exploited, access to education stunted, and ultimately will cause negative ripple effects regarding continued forced migration, access to secure jobs, and adequate working conditions. Undocumented migrant youth, homeless youth are frightened by risk of militarized policing, surveillance, and street sweeps throughout San Francisco. These practices have been proven to traumatize our young people who face the same ill treatment they desperately tried to escape in their homelands. So it's no wonder they are confused, angry, and pre prepared to protest, and their rights to do so should be protected. Allow the community to express its grief against APEC without fear of retaliation, especially in expression against the different world leaders who have caused economic crisis, environmental plunder, and have ruined the lives of our people overseas through their violent policies. During the most recent People's Budget Advocacy, SF made it abundantly clear that they do not want more money and resources towards policing, let alone to APEC that only seeks to make decisions and trade deals that will set dangerous precedents for their youth counterparts overseas in the next decades. Absolutely no to wasting this precious money on this event, including all the build-up activities. No, instead, shift our attention to the release of funds on housing, food security, and real community-based solutions our youth desperately need. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Hello, Board of Supervisors. My name is Nicole, and I'm a student at City College of San Francisco, and I'm a member of Anagbayan at CCSF and a worker in the Excelsior District. I'm here in support of Connie Chan's resolution on APEC. CCSF has faced budget cuts and a lack of wage increases of faculty in the past couple of years, despite facing inflations and the cost of living on the rise. While CCSF is threatened to be downsized, we see 10 million in reserve trying to be allocated to APEC, where heads of state such as President Bongbong Marcos himself is being invited. It is disappointing to hear our mayor welcomes his fascist president who's committed extrajudicial killings, arrests, and surveillance on workers, students, and poor people. APEC's only aim is to further sell out their people and harm natural resources and indigenous people. In the guise of neoliberal policies to uplift women in STEM or free trade agreements, it really means to advance technology used to surveil and target activists in the Philippines and further exploit workers' rights. I urge you to reallocate this 10 million to community services and paying workers livable wages to make City College run efficiently, and that you protect our rights to protest leading up to APEC. People over profit, no to APEC. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Susu Sharif Statia. I'm a proud Palestinian indigenous to what we see today. And I have also have the pleasure to work with the Filipino Community Center, and I'm a student at USF. In the last couple of weeks, I personally witnessed the horrific sight of SFPD forcibly removing houseless people off the street. 
I've seen the displacement of folks happen all around the world now. The horrific attacks on Gaza, the West Bank, and occupied and occupied parts of the illegitimate state we know Israel. This is not only an, op an issue that affects citizens and businesses in the city, but all around the world. I see what you prioritize here. You have a decision to make. Are you going to continue to let profit be over people, or are you going to protect your people? Let this money be used for good to, the, to get folks rehabilitated, to get them in an environment where they don't have to fear for their life, where they don't have to worry about where their next meal is going to go. I'll leave you with the decision. Are you going to put people first or will you continue to let billionaires pull your strings? Don't forget that the power is with the people and we will prevail. Allah says the best form of jihad is using your voice. We will find a way to prevail because I come from the people who use the rubble of their demolished houses to fight back. Zionists, Israelis, we see, and America, who has aided the terrorist attacks all over Palestine, we see you aiding these billionaires and starting to put that, and start putting that money to the community. I come with folks that work tirelessly to take care of members of their communities that don't have the ability, the privilege to focus on living, but just- Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your comments. Speaker's time is concluded. Next speaker. Thank you for your comments. Can we hear from our next speaker, please? It's, it's on. Oh, okay. Um, good evening, Board of Supervisors. Um, my name is Kai. I'm a, I'm a City College student who lives in the Excelsior District. I'm also a part of Gabriel Youth Excelsior, a Filipino youth organization based in District 11. Um, only a few months ago, Gabriel Youth came here in regards to the budget. Linda Bree cut funds from services for education, childcare, housing, to increase the uh, police budget, uh, the police budget um, to protect these billionaires for a whole week. Um, the 10 million that London Breed is fundraising shouldn't be hosting, shouldn't be going, shouldn't go to hosting APEC that in the end isn't for the working people. The APEC meeting is accessible for working people, especially working women. The choice made by these billionaires could affect overseas workplaces and push for more people, especially women like nurses, to leave their homes and forced to learn how to survive somewhere else while supporting their families back home. We deserve the right to speak about our struggle, the struggles of our people and the fears we have about how APEC will affect our families here and back in our homelands. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hello, Board of Supervisors. My name is Christine, and today I'll be reading a letter from Christine, Kristen Briantes, who's the co-owner of Syrup Shop, whose headquarters is based in District 6 and whose operations will be severely impacted by the APEC semic. From Kristen, today our team is writing to wholeheartedly endorse Corny Chen's resolution to provide vital support to our small businesses during the summit. 
Our small businesses have been through trials in recent times that many say are at an intensity and pace that is impossible to process at human speed. The pandemic inflicted economic blows that many are still struggling to recover from. The resilient small businesses have demonstrated the adaptability they showcased and the generosity they provided despite this loss is nothing short of remarkable. There's a reason why small businesses have stuck it out to care for their teams, unlike bigger enterprises who have left. Small businesses truly care for their city and defend the city from all the criticism and doom loop headlines. Yet these businesses are confronted with a multifaceted crisis and this one self-inflicted by our beloved city and are just being told to make the most of it. As we prepare for the Apex Summit, which is less than three weeks away and with no clarity, we must acknowledge the disruption that it will bring that threatens to tip the balance for these small businesses. The additional strain of road closures, security measures, and limited access will only exacerbate the already fragile financial situation that many of, the, many of them find themselves in. As we have checked in with other small businesses, it's the, it's the difference between survival and bankruptcy. What troubles us is the incongruity of the allocation of resources. It's challenging to witness vast sums poured into a temporary event that caters to visitors with a level of care and a priority that our small businesses and local residents have not received. The same level of urgency and priority Prioritization is not extended to our local business owners and citizens who remain committed to San Francisco throughout the years and especially have done the most to defend and nurture comments. our city. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. I am uh, Manuel Ramirez, a resident of District 7 and the owner and operator of Bonchon Chicken at the Metreon. We opened our Bonchon franchise in May 2021 in the middle of the pandemic. And prior to opening Bonchon, we owned and managed Inai Filipino Kitchen, also at the Metreon, from 2012 to 2019. As you know, both the Metreon and SF Center are at all-time highs in vacancy. Out of 11 Metreon exterior storefronts, six have been vacant since the early days of the pandemic. It is an understatement to say that the Soma business ecosystem is currently struggling. But my wife and I still believe in the promise of our neighborhood. So much so that we recently signed a lease for one of the exterior Metreon spaces for our new restaurant, Izzy and Wooks. We will be the first new exterior tenant that the Metreon has seen in over four years. The equation for how APEC will dramatically hurt restaurant operators within the perimeter is quite simple. While the city is encouraging restaurants within to stay open, they are asking us to do so while cutting off our two main arteries for revenue access to our regular local customer base, and access to third-party platform delivery drivers, DoorDash, Uber Eats, corporate catering, etc. At Bonchon, Metreon, third-party delivery amounts to 40% of our total revenue stream. The city's comments at APEC will only affect us for 72 hours is a, a gross misrepresentation. While the convention itself is three days, the setup and takedown of the perimeter will limit traffic to our area for a minimum of five. To operate for five days with minimal access to our customer base while accruing normal rent cost and retaining staff will hurt our businesses significantly. And for the many SOMA businesses that have been struggling the past few years and are already behind in rent to the landlord, it could be a potential death blow. While the world is watching, the city needs to show that it will support the pillars of our community in our time of need with as much vigor as it caters to the security and luxury of foreign dignitaries and CEOs. We support today's resolution to subsidize small business owners. Thank you.
Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Krisha Camille Velacruz. As someone who was born and raised in San Francisco by Filipino immigrants, I'm here to express support for Supervisor Chan's resolution regarding APEC as well. I'm also here as a climate organizer with Oil and Gas Action Network, a network org that supports grassroots movements and activists who are concerned about the harmful impacts of APEC as it relates to climate justice locally and globally. While CEOs representing the fossil fuel industry, weapons, manufacturing, security tech, big tech, you name it, are going to be converging here with world leaders, our freedom to move around the city, as you've heard today, has been directly impeded by the international conference that plans to negotiate agreements on trade, which really just exists as a way to consolidate power within big businesses, take away power from the community, and effectively turn vulnerable countries into servants of large corporations. Trade agreements have done and continue to do harmful things like preventing pay raises for workers, overruling their local and environmental regulations, and their ability to transition away from polluting industries like fossil fuels. Similar to what NAFTA did in the 90s, which my generation will be dealing with for the rest of our lives, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, known as, uh, known as known as IPEF, being is being negotiated at APEC will set binding rules governing 40% 40, 40 of, the global of the global economy and subsequently will have major impacts on climate policy, worker rights, and more for decades to come. Past trade deals have almost as always been horrible for workers and for communities and for the planet. What's more is that it is textbook greenwashing to promote a sustainable future for all when under all this glitter and gold, big oil and other extractive industries have been granted special powers within trade agreements to attack uh, developing nation sovereignty and the environmental movement's climate victories. Chevron, Exxon, Citibank, Google and all others are major sponsors and invited to APEC for a reason. My hometown and heart of San Francisco in on Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your comments. All right, let's hear from our next speaker, please. Good afternoon. My name is Jaime Veloria, a Tenderloin resident and member of Malaya SF. I'm speaking in support of the resolution on prioritizing and protecting impacted communities during APEC Summit. We are told that APEC will bring prestige to our city, but for me, what brings us a longer-lasting prestige are these examples. A city that knows how to take care of people, not just the wealthy or with means. Where our elders and people with disabilities are allowed to live in peace, not have to worry about their next meal, and are well taken care of even when hundreds are located in a center where a national special security event takes place, while having small businesses being able to thrive in it. A a city where a robust system that housed the homeless and people with addictions, health needs are met rather than politicized and people criminalized. Where city projects are completed on time, on budget, and proper community input are involved, not sidelined for a week-long event. Where there's a police force that fulfills its job and oath rather than politicizing policies to hold it accountable and not do its job because of extra paperwork or is mainly focused on protecting the wealthy where it's a city with clean streets and sidewalks free of urine, feces, and garbage. And finally, what gives us prestige are investments in public good versus doing things in the short term for foreigners and corporations visiting for a week. 
APEC represents an ethos of being eternally grateful for billionaires and corporations crumbs or have their chum change treat cities as brands rather than paying their fair share to address problems resulted from and exacerbated by the massive income inequality they caused and continued exploitation of the working class. With this ethos, rather than saying gold and peace, iron and war, our city motto should say gold for the wealthy, iron bars for the poor, in peace and in war. If you want to change that prevailing ethos, you can start by supporting this APEC resolution. Thank you so much for, this, for your time and this resolution. No city funds and no to APEC. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hello, my name is Finn Palomaro. I work at Dolores Street and with the SF Island uh, Network, which is the San Francisco Immigrant Legal and Education Network. I'm here in support of Connie Chan's proposal to move those 10 million funds that were previously earmarked for security and over-policing to community services. Um, the network that I work with includes 12 different organizations that work directly with community services and education, as well as direct legal services. And I can tell you that every single one of them tells me that they're at capacity. And we repeatedly ask for more funds for direct services. Dolores Street Community Services recently had to cut some of our food distribution programs. And I just think it's interesting that when the city prioritizes certain activities, they can find the funds internally and externally. So I, I do believe this is the least that the city could do. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker. Afternoon, Supervisors. Robin Levitt here, a 30-year resident of Hayes Valley. I'm following up uh, on Supervisor Preston's conversation earlier today with the mayor uh, to urge the city to move forward with the development of affordable housing on a former central freeway lot at Hayes and Octavia, known as Parcel K. That development has been stalled for almost 20 years since the freeway came down in 2003. A little background. In 1999, after several years of ballot measures, voters approved Proposition I. Put on the ballot by your predecessors, Supervisors Amiano, Leno, Katz, and the late Sue Bierman, it called for the replacement of the Central Freeway with Octavia Boulevard, Patricia's Green, and mandated that housing, much of it affordable, be constructed on 22 former freeway parcels. Since then, much of the promised housing development has occurred. However, decades later, several parcels along the east side of Octavia remain empty, in some cases garbage strewn and lined with encampments. The Mayor's Office of Housing controls those parcels. They include Parcel K that was purchased in 2005 by the former San Francisco Redevelopment Agency with affordable housing funds. Several months ago, the mayor's office announced that sometime in August an RFQ would be issued for the development of affordable housing there, but for unknown reasons that has been put on hold. In the meantime, our affordable housing crisis looms more acute and the city continues to fall behind on its housing goals. Parcel K could support almost 100 housing units. It's ready to go. With so few available sites, it's astounding the construction of affordable housing didn't occur there long ago, and shamefully embarrassing that it continues to be delayed. I'm here today to urge you to join your colleague, Supervisor Preston, perhaps convene a hearing to press the mayor's office to honor the will of the San Francisco voters, expedite the development of Parcel K, as well as explore using the remaining vacant freeway parcels for affordable housing. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robin. Hear from our next speaker, please. 
Hi, my name is Andrew Signer. I'm a resident of District 5. I live in Hayes Valley. Um, I'm also here to advocate for development of affordable housing on Parcel K, also known as Proxy. Um, a couple of months ago, it, myself and some neighbors realized that the timeline of that project has, is at risk, and it, it motivated some of us to create a group called Hayes Valley for All and start a petition to ask the Mayor's Office of Housing Community Development uh, to move the project forward. Since then, we've gotten over 450 signatures in just about two months. Um, and uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm in the neighborhood for this. We feel like um, we, we've called ourselves Hayes Valley for All, not just because we want Hayes Valley to be for all people, but we think we can have all things. We think that it's a false choice between public space for people, retail, and housing. Um, What's there right now is you know, a coffee shop that I go to almost every day. You can get ice cream, there's a gym, there's a juice shop. These are all things that could exist in a developed affordable housing complex. Um, myself, I live on Parcel H, uh, a parcel that was developed mostly market rate about 10 years ago. The only reason I can afford to live there is because I worked in just the right industry and just the right time. A lottery ticket like that should not be the price of admission to our neighborhood. We're in a housing crisis. Please keep the pressure up until people can, who, until people that live, that work in Hayes Valley can afford to live in Hayes Valley, um, please keep the pressure up. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, members of the Board of Supervisors. My name is Natalie Burdick. I'm a 12-year neighbor in Hayes Valley and a San Francisco taxpayer and voter. And I'm actually going to read a statement into the public record. Our housing shortage hurts our residents, our economy, our communities. This shortage wasn't created in a year, and it won't be solved in that short a time. But we have, we have to act with a sense of urgency to make fundamental changes to meet our ambitious housing goals to allow for 82,000 new homes to be built in the next eight years. To be fair, that is not my statement. Those are not my words. However, I wholeheartedly agree with them, and I hope that you do as well. In truth, these are Mayor Breed's words. She shared them when she gave a three-month update on her Housing for All executive directive. Yet, despite this directive, as we've heard, there's a site that was already owned by the city. There's a site that was already approved for affordable housing, going back as far as 1999. Um, and this site, despite that, has no timeline for building up to 100 affordable housing units and adding more much-needed public open space. The Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development missed a deadline to act with urgency. It was a deadline they themselves set in August, but today we have no idea when or if they will start that RFU process. When Mayor Breed issued her Housing for All Executive Director, she challenged all city departments with the responsibility for achieving the goals of the San Francisco housing element. As a Hayes Valley resident, along with 450 of my neighbors, I'm here simply to urge the city to do what the mayor has already directed the city. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. 
And before you begin, I'll just say if there's anyone else in the chamber who'd like to provide a public comment this afternoon, please line up on your right-hand side. Great. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Good afternoon, supervisors. Uh, I am Anna Yi. I'm the CEO of Todco. We have uh, a number of uh, housing, affordable housing uh, buildings in the impact zone. We have uh, 800 residents within a block of Moscone. Um, I work for these residents. They're uh, seniors. They're all over 60. Most of them are over 80. They're very worried right now. Um, what I can tell you is the information that's been pumped out has been, there's a lot of it, but it, some of it's inconsistent. We need some really simple answers to some basic questions, um, but we haven't been able to access anyone. The Secret Service found us to ask us if they can borrow our rooftop at 4th and Howard for, for security. Um, that's not a, a first time thing, we've done that before, but they haven't found us yet to talk about the plan for APEC and what it means for the seniors. We have really simple questions like, when you say pedestrian checkpoint, is it ID checkpoint or just the bag check? I've, I've heard both. For the vehicle checkpoint, I've heard it's a no-go zone, no vehicles allowed. I've heard the opposite, well, if, if you work in the area, you can go through to your address. I don't know which it is, I don't know what to tell our seniors or my staff. Um, it's not too late to plan. We have, a, we have what we think is a very workable plan to keep our seniors who are getting picked up for uh, medical appointments and whatnot off of Howard Street, but it's, it's contingent upon them being able to access through Fifth Street. Right now it looks like it's doable, but I don't know what genius is gonna change the plan and make it not possible for us. Uh, but it's important for Secret Service to hear you know, what these uh, key access points are. And we don't have a point of contact that's really important. It's not too late for planning. Um, we are here to work with you. Uh, we need to do a lot of problems. Oh, we need one point of contact during APEC for when problems come up and how we resolve them. Also, I did a Google every single year of APEC, there is unrest. I would love a plan for when our seniors. Thank you for your comments. All right, next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. Raquel Redondius, and I'm here to support Supervisor Chan's resolution. I was in Manila in November 1996 um, when they were holding the APEC summit there, and I recall everywhere I turned were bus ads and billboards that read APEC 2000. The Philippine government promised that APEC would bring prosperity and industrialization to the country. But indigenous farmers and workers who were at the front line of the protest knew better. They protested APEC because they knew that the APEC agenda would be devastating to their land and livelihood. Fast forward 22 years later, the Philippine market has been flooded by foreign rice imports, which local farmers cannot compete with, nor can a majority of Filipinos afford, thereby threatening the nation's food security and sovereignty. APEC is not about sustainability or shared prosperity. There will be no unions or farmers or indigenous representatives at the APEC summit. It will be all the heads of state and billionaire CEOs who are there to increase their profits. Bongbong Marcos, the son of the late dictator um, Marcos, will be there to sell out the Philippines to the highest bidder. How the seniors, immigrants, and small businesses in the South of market are being treated right now is emblematic of what the summit is really about, which is exclusion, elitism, and corporate wealth. Our seniors and communities are being asked to sacrifice because APEC will bring prosperity to the city. We know better. 
The last decade has seen the biggest tech boom, the city budget balloon, and the creation of so many billionaires, and also the biggest wealth gap and economic disparity in the city, and especially south of market. Let's not repeat the same mistakes and that think that the big corporations will lead the way to a sustainable economy. I also want to submit for the record um, a letter signed by 14 South Market community organizations, including Soma Child Care Center, Children's Creativity Museum, and Senior Disability Action. All of us are very concerned about the impact on our, our communities and clients uh, the you. week of APEC. Thank you for your comments. We'll collect that from you. Good to see you, Raquel. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Steve Leeds, a resident of District 7 and a member of the Westside Tenants Association. I urge you to send a strong message to the mayor and administration by voting unanimously for the APEC resolution. APEC will impact the whole city and most of all, those residents and small businesses in Soma, Chinatown, the Tenderloin, and other neighborhoods, which includes some of our most vulnerable residents. It will be disruptive to seniors, the disabled, and working people getting to their jobs. Supervisors, how many events have you heard of this type that ultimately benefit their location? How many? Not Super Bowls, not Olympics, not other large-scale events. These type of events leave communities cleaning up the mess in a long recovery period. During APEC, multinationals, billionaires, and heads of state will meet and develop and implement trade policies that harm people throughout the world. Those policies are the same as harmful trade policies of the past, such as the TPP, similar to NAFTA, which benefit the wealthiest corporations, deny workers their rights, and erase environmental protections. These neoliberal policies will promote deeper inequality, which we see right here in San Francisco and the U.S., and especially in the countries of the global south. With SF facing a budget shortfall, not one penny, not one penny, not $10 billion of taxpayers' money should be spent on an event that will cause so much pain and havoc. The money should go for alleviating the pain that residents and small businesses face because of APEC. San Francisco has a history of promoting human rights, birth of the UN, promoting workers' rights, and protecting our immigrant community as a sanctuary city. We as residents have a right to protest APEC and express our opinions without intimidation and over-policing. Again, I strongly urge you to unanimously support this resolution. APEC won't... Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your comments. Any other speakers in the public uh, chamber who'd like to address the board? All right, Mr. President. Public comment is now closed. Madam Clerk, could you please read the adoption without committee reference calendar? Yes, uh, items 28 through 37 were introduced for adoption without committee reference. A unanimous vote is required for adoption of resolutions on first reading today. Alternately, one member may request a resolution on first reading to go to committee. Supervisor Chan. Item 28. Supervisor Dorsey. Item 29. On the balance of the calendar, items 30 through 37, we can take those same house, same call. Yes, Mr. President, Mr. What, President. What, what, what? That was a 10-1 vote. Oh, you're right. The last one was a 10-1 vote. Roll call, please. On items 30 through 37, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, I. Supervisor Safai. 
Safai, aye. Supervisor Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Supervisor Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey? <laughs> Dorsey, aye. Supervisor Engardio? Aye. Engardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar? Aye. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. And Supervisor Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. There are 11 ayes. Those resolutions are adopted and motions approved. Madam Clerk, could you please read item 28? Item 28 is a resolution urging the mayor and city agencies to inform residents and vulnerable communities of security, transportation, and service impacts from Asia Pacific Economic Corporation activities to prioritize city funding towards mitigation of impacts on neighborhoods, small businesses, and vulnerable communities, and to protect people's rights to freedom of speech and uphold city sanctuary policies. Supervisor Chan. Thank you, President Peskin. And um, first, I want to thank all the public commenter today for coming out, especially uh, our seniors and our seniors who are monolingual. Um, I know it's not an easy track for them to come out here into City Hall and make public comment in person. So for that, I'm very grateful and want to express um, my gratitude for them to come out and, and spoke. And um, colleagues, I, I think that we heard from folks that are laborers, um, workers. Uh, we really heard from many different people. That's also including, you see the letter of support from um, many different chambers of commerce that representing small business owners of color uh, in San Francisco. Uh, and then we also have heard from activists uh, as well as our seniors and also our young people. I think that there many have a wide range of views about how they view APAC itself as an event. Um, some express that they support the event itself, some actually uh, do not and do not wish to be here, have it to be here, but also understand the fact that when it is, that gives them the opportunity to protest. Um, and with that said, though, I, I just wanted to really, uh, for you to look at this resolution uh, with one thing that really brought everyone with these diverse point of view and political view together is that this is a resolution to support our local communities, the communities that were impacted by this summit itself. It is um, no matter where you are in this political spectrum when it comes to Asian Pacific Economic Co uh, Cooperation Summit, uh, what it is is that this is for San Franciscans. This resolution is about San Franciscans and supported especially the most vulnerable ones, uh, our seniors, our tenants with disabilities that uh, will end up being tracked uh, by the exclusion zone um, and our small businesses that already been suffering during pandemic. Um, it is a way for us to support them. Um, I just also want to remind colleagues that, you know, this actually do and will come with teeth at some point. Um, the mayor uh, during the budget process has put $10 million on reserve and also with your support that we together uh, as a body also put that very same million, $10 million on reserve. That means that it will require us as this body uh, in majority to vote uh, to allocate that uh, $10 million reserve uh, for appropriate um, allocation. So with that, uh, with your support, and I look forward to your unanimous support today, that also speak um, in volume that, you know, that we are uh, here to support our local communities. Um, and so thank you for your co-sponsorship. Supervisor Walton. 
Thank you, President Peskin. I just thought I was already added as a co-sponsor, but I want to be added as a co-sponsor. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, uh, Mr. President. Thank you, Supervisor Chan, for putting this resolution forward. Definitely want to be added as a co-sponsor. I thought I was already, but just want to point out one of the lines specifically about the workers. Um, we've been in, we've had numerous conversations with our 911 call operators. Um, for the first time, they are being required as part of this emergency mobilization to do mandatory overtime. Um, that is something that has not been done already to a department that is extremely understaffed, a department that is not meeting its goals in terms of, of 911 calls. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to highlight, and it's already kind of referenced in this resolution, it talks about workers, um, small business owners and others. I really appreciate you coming out and speaking about it. Those that are trying to get to their jobs as frontline workers in the hotel and service sector industry, extremely important, but wanted to highlight that we, we, there is something to be said about this particular operation in the Department of Emergency Management, the importance it plays, and that this is a precedent-setting request on behalf of the Department of Emergency Management. So I want to highlight the necessity to look for ways to compensate them, not exactly sure that the proposals that have been put forward by the city uh, meet the standards that we're looking for. We've heard things like they're bringing people out of retirement that are age 75 or older, asking them to work extremely long shifts. Um, so again, as we go into asking for this money off, off of reserve, just want to highlight that we have to have a real just and fair compensation package and approach to our 911 call operators and the role that they play and the role that they will play in the importance of the coming weeks, particularly during this conference. Thank you. Supervisor Dorsey. Thank you, President Peskin. I just wanted to express my appreciation to uh, Supervisor Chan for her leadership on this, and I was um, happy to join as a co-sponsor at the beginning of the meeting. Um, this is something that is important to a lot of the businesses and residents in my district, you know, representing um, SOMA. And I really appreciate the, uh, the point that Supervisor Chan made that, you know, wherever you are on this, this is really about making sure that our neighborhoods and local businesses are taken care of. In many ways, this is a, we're a little bit in uncharted waters because this is a national special security event along the lines of an inauguration. I don't know that we have had something like this um, perhaps since the UN Charter. I think it's, it's one of those kinds of global things. I hope that on November 18th, we're all saying, no, oh, that was great. We all, everybody made money and it was all great, but we don't know. And I think this, this um, resolution does a good job of providing assurance um, to our communities um, that the Board of Supervisors is gonna be there looking out for them and doing everything we can to urge that, that there will not be harms suffered unduly to residents or businesses. Thanks. Supervisor Melgar. I just wanted to add, be added as a co-sponsor. Thank you. All right, so colleagues, I think we can take that same house. No, Mr. Same, President, uh, Supervisor what? Walton is not in the chamber. Oh. Good eye. Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Madam Clerk, could you please read item 29? 
Item 29, resolution to express support for the Soma Pilipinas Gateway design and gateway construction at the intersection of Folsom and Rust Streets, and to urge the San Francisco Arts Commission and the Department of Public Works to work closely with the Planning Department and the Soma Pilipinas to build and own the gateway. Supervisor Dorsey. Thank you, President Peskin. Colleagues, this was the um, Resolution I announced at roll call last week and after receiving further input from uh, community stakeholders, I'd like to ask that this resolution be sent to community for uh, further discussion and public input with uh, possible amendments to come. It's my understanding no motion is necessary, but I really just want to express my appreciation to everyone's forbearance for a uh, cultural icon that will celebrate our Filipino community and the rich cultural heritage of the South of Market neighborhood. Thanks. Supervisor Safai, your name is on the roster. Do you want to Please be Please add me on? as a co-sponsor. Supervisor Safai shall be added as a co-sponsor to item 29, which shall be sent to committee. Madam Clerk, would you please read the immemoria? Mr. President, I have no items to a report. Wow. We are adjourned.